When you want them to zag, they sag. You know, it's just uh, bizarre. There was 990 votes on the poll from yesterday, and I said, when we get to 1,000, then I'll give you the result. And I would have thought that during the break there, that there would have been even the cranks. Follow what I'm saying? Even well, the people that we ordinarily don't want voting 7,500 times, uh, now they won't do it. When you don't want them to it. do it, they... Huh? Now that you've mentioned it. Yes. I'm sure they'll be right on there. Well, what do you got? I got 993 last time I checked. So in other words, during the, during the interim, 994. One more. We got six to go before I give it a result. Anyway, while we're waiting for that, waiting for the audience to finally crawl on their hands and knees over to their pewters. Oh, before or we do else. whatever you had in mind, I pod yes. with the phone thing, and uh, maybe it should work. Oh, shall we try it again? Yes. While the line is ringing, maybe he can answer it. Well, your Carlos will have to punch it up. Punch right, up no. uh, line uh, five or whatever. Put it on hold. Yeah. It'll be, maybe it'll be him. Oh, look at that. He put it on hold. No, That's well, a beautiful he's talk, thing. He's talking I... to them, and we don't hear it on the air. That means uh, I think it's working. Yeah, but out. how come I got it like I got the on hold? Uh, oh, there look it at is. that. It's a beautiful thing. Yay, now, should I actually punch it up and see if there's somebody on there, or is that sure, going too far? Okay, let's not get carried away. Hello? Hello? Hola. They don't know you're talking to them. You and you want to know why? Why? What do you mean he's talking to you? Why is he talking to you? That's a good question. What are you talking about? He's talking to you. How can he be talking to you? I, I got a bunch of stuff here. He doesn't know that you're talking to the call. The caller doesn't know they're on. Hello? They're an asshole. Kneel to caller. You think it's an asshole or you think it's us again? Okay, oh, try like line two. Work. Try another one, Carlos. Come on, I realize we're really putting you through a lot of um, a lot of work here this morning. Well, you punched it up, and Carlos got it in the headset instead of on the air, so we're still screwed up. He got one in the headset. The collar. When you punched up the collar instead of the collar going on the air, it went into the yeah. headset, and into Carlos' little headpiece. Well, so how about line three? Up. I punched up line three. You should be on the air. Hello. Hello. Neil. Yes, sir. I told you. See, no problem. Hi. Neil, I want you to take calls back. I don't want to hear bedtime stories every day from the newspaper. You're killing me. Yeah. Well, how, mean, can you, how, come you, how come you? How come, sir? Will you I, calm down? Will you calm down a little bit? I'm so. Just calm down a little bit. Take a deep breath, okay? Now you're still listening. We've been doing bedtime stories for six months on the show, and you're still there, sir. Did he disappear? Oh, he just ran away. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> he ran away. He couldn't explain to me why he still isn't. That must have been Tom Jekka's boyfriend calling. You know what? He doesn't want to hear bedtime stories. He wants their entertaining callers. Let me give you, I'll, I'm going to sum up the callers in two words, and he's right there, one of them. Suckholes and sickies. It's SNS. Remember Hitler had the SS? Yes. Same thing with callers on talk shows. 95% of the callers are suckholes and sickies. Oh, gee, Howard, you're so great at those games on Sunday, and Marv Albert's such a piece of crap. People that want to suck up to the host, which is a very large percentage, or a guy like this that just wants to take a cheap shot. I mean, you know, I, I can go back and do that again. I can take all the stuff I got over here. I got 6,000 different bedtime stories, he calls them, a lot of which I think is pretty important stuff. I don't need to dick with that. I can go back to doing this again. It's it's easy. I can actually get some sleep in my life instead of you know, sitting in here at 1130 at night like uh, printing out crap. Is that what the audience wants? Well, let's see. Do we have our thought? Oh, we got 1,006. I think we got a little bit carried away. Should Neil start taking calls on his show again? Yes, please. 286, 28.4%. Now, you can just imagine of that 28.4%, how many of them are people like uh, this last guy. What, what is it that they hear from the callers that's so goddamn entertaining? Can they tell me? And maybe we'll find out from some people today. What is it that they hear from them? Oh, it's the way you interact with a caller. Interact with what? What is there to interact with? This last guy, there wasn't even a conversation. I asked him, how come he's still listening if he don't want to hear bedtime stories after six months of my changing the format? And he runs away like a typical coward. Rhymes with Howard. You know what I mean? Do, 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 do. Shut up. 
Yes, please, 286 calls. Yes, but only a few, 272. Well, I think we've already done a few, haven't we? A two? Well, that's a couple. Three would be a few. It makes no difference to me. 172, there is the 17%. Now, yesterday it was running about 14, but you notice how strong that came on? Right. 17% of this audience will listen no matter what the hell we do. We can even put George on. <gasps> and I think that's what he kept, about 17% of the audience <laughs> this summer. Or close to it. Pretty weak. 16%. Anyway, what? 16%. Moving right along. Now, See, now there's a whole bunch of them coming in. Now, just calm down. No more votes, okay? Calm down. Ease off. It makes no difference to me. 17.1%. Like I said, see, keep them coming in. Uh, maybe one, one day a week, 136, 13.5%. Absolutely not. Please, 75, 7.4%. And if he does, I'll blow my brains out, 67, 6.6%. Now, if I would have done the same pool four months ago, the result would have been different because there would have been a lot more people saying, oh, yeah, the, the people that want to hear the calls, the idiots, the cranks, there would have been a lot more than listening. Because you got to understand, a lot of those people are gone. Right. Which doesn't phase me in least because I said at the time, I'll rebuild an audience. We'll just replace those with people with an IQ larger than their thumbnail as opposed to people who think, buddy, call is very entertaining every day. It, it wasn't entertaining. Sickies and suckholes, that's 95% of the callers, which leaves 5%. And again, keep in mind that less than 1%, a fraction of 1% of the audience of any talk show actually ever make a call. Keep that in mind. I very, very that. few. Huh? I'll never forget that. Right. And especially a show that's on in the middle of the day like this one, how many people have got time in the middle of the day to sit and make a call to a talk show and stay on hold so they can say, oh, gee, we don't want to hear any more bedtime stories, Neil. Take some calls. Take some calls to say what? It's like when the people, when I used to do that thing, and people would call in and say, oh, gee, well, don't talk about this. And I'd say, well, what would you like to talk about? Ooh. Did they ever have an answer? No. Did they ever once have an answer? Uh, no. Not once. Not anything. Give me a suggestion. What would you like to talk about? What would you like to hear us talking about? Never once had a suggestion. They just All you ever to, talk about is They it, just wanted a bitch. They just wanted a bitch and bellyache and moan and groan. And I guess that's very entertaining with a lot of people. I just got burned out on hearing a bunch of assholes on the telephone. Now, maybe, like I said, that's terrific entertainment. Maybe we can get, like, double digits again. We can have those ratings zooming up again. Let's pander to the audience. Give them what they want. What do you say? No. Now, here's, can I get to this one? This guy deserves a real big tribute, even though I have no idea who the hell he is. <laughs> Kevin Bastard. This is the kind of market that you people are living in, okay? Kevin Bastard finally writes a little thing about radio, a guy that I never heard of. Ron King, no relation to Larry. No. The evening, 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. personality on soft contemporary music station, WLYFFM Life. We'll sign off the year for the final time Friday, ending a 46-year radio career. Well, good for him. And his co-workers are promising to send him off at 1 a.m. with a goodbye worthy of nearly five decades of work. It's been a great ride, King says. This obviously is something I love doing or I wouldn't have kept doing it. I have such wonderful memories of all the people I've been privileged to meet or entertain that I feel as though I've got an extended family numbering in the thousands. Entertain? You find that life is entertaining? And now here are the carpenters on life. King 64 is planning a move out west following Friday's departure, though he's not saying what will come after that. He's a special person who helped make this a winning radio station, says Rob Sidney, life's director of programming and operations. So his colleagues put their heads together and came up with several surprises that will make his last shift, last shift something special. Kind of like Elvis, his last shift was something special, but there was no F in it. Weekend host Pat Rivers and Debbie Delgado will split the evening duties, it says. Did anybody ever hear of Ron King? No. Carlos, ever hear of him? Uh, no. George? Nope. Neil? No. Larry? Drew? Uh, no. Okay. 
So he's uh, been a very important personality on life. And Kevin Baxter decides to waste time in a prestigious Herald writing a piece about that, which is shocking and scandalous at the very. That's okay. Better write about that than a trend. We don't write about trends, okay? 926 at 560 WQAM with your busy lifestyle. And you need some help to get some energy, especially when it's 100 degrees outside and the humidity is 200%. Oleomet will do it for you. Oleomet is an exciting new product. It contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with lots of other good stuff for your health. For your, uh, they got vitamins, minerals, and herbals in there, and they have a separate product for each part of your body. There's one for your heart. Well, not one for that. One for your heart, one for your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol and prostate, all in a soft gel capsule, so there is one for that. And they also have supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive, your endocrine system, your skin and your bones, even your mind. Don't forget Smallville tonight. All using the benefits of the best olive oil that money can buy. And Oleomed makes, see, as soon as I mentioned prostate, uh, Smallville came to mind. And Oleomed makes products for men and ladies as well. You can get it at Whole Food Markets, Walgreens, Sedanos, and Navarro Pharmacies. If you'd like to get more information about what the hell it's all about, just call the Oleomed people. They'll answer all the questions you have at their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, and you can order their products online if you like. That's the easy way at oleomedamerica.com. Live, live, and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Wear of exploding balls. <laughs> 560 WQAM presents the Opie and Anthony Show with Mo Howard David. This is Opie. And I'm Anthony. Yeah, wait a minute. It's me with the low voice. Oh. Yeah, you got the affected voice. Okay. <clears throat> hi, Anthony. Yeah, hi, Opie. And uh, let's not forget our old pal Mo Howard David. Yeah, I was wondering how long it would take for you two punks to get around to me. <laughs> that really hit the big time, huh? Here I am with the Opie on Anthony. Hey, Mo. What? Take off your pants. Yeah, we're going to rape you now. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. This is a family show. Ah, uh, wrong. This is the Go Pee on Anthony show. Now, come on, stretch. I thought you guys only did that in church. Nah. Hey, get your hands out of there. Get out of there. Shut up and submit. Touch my delicates. Oh, Don't touch my delicates. I'm tender. <laughs> why does everybody want to rape me? Why? Because we think it's funny. That's why. Yeah, you got a nice yeah. back. Oh, I got news for you, Pally. I'm still spry. Why, I ought to mobilize you. Oh. Oh. I got his hands tied, Opie. Oh. Want the red ball? No, not for this. All right, Ma, open wide for Chunky. Let's sing that together now, shall we? Okay. Open wide for Chunky. Uh, All right, stop spanking, Anthony. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, use your lips. No teeth. No teeth. Up. I said no teeth. Ready for some medieval love. You're not the boss of me now. Yeah, I really sound like that. Mitsubishi guy now, don't I? For the gimp. Yeah, gimp. Well done. Take it away, Mo. What? You're just going to leave me here? We'll be right back. I'm 560. Mm, I feel so used. 933 at 560 WQM. We feel so used after seeing those numbers, Mo. Man, how low can Mo go is our question. Do, 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 do. I think that's the answer. So we can, now I'm tr I'm confused because you say I took two calls. Well, the first guy just uh, we made contact with, right? Right. And then the second guy was the guy who was giving me a song and dance about he don't want to hear no bedtime stories and go back right. to taking calls. And then when I asked him how come he's still there after six months of bedtime stories, he ran away. And of course the reason he ran away is because uh, I backed him into a corner and he couldn't answer the question. That doesn't require any uh, brilliance on my part. I mean, here's another asshole. Let's call it in belly aching uh, that he don't like what he's listening to. That doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. Six months later, he's calling, oh, gee, we'll go back to the cross. Well, what are you still doing there? And he can't answer the question. 
and I'm already like a little, uh, just a tad depressed. I never get depressed on this show anymore. Other than I took uh, two calls, and I'm already depressed. Now, Julio's in the other room. Yeah. To see why uh, this phone thing isn't working the way it ought Why we have another technical disaster on the QAM end. It's certainly not on this end. For some reason, we can't put people on screen hold. You know, the little check mark that you normally see? Yes. It's on regular hold. And for some reason, when you punch up somebody that's on regular hold, instead of going on the air, it goes, uh, like, back to Carlos, back into the little headset there. Mm-hmm. But you, so can, is, but you can punch people up directly if the line is ringing, and we don't know why any of this is working the way that it is. It sure is hell ain't on this end. Oh, I'm sure. Because No, seriously, because if he is punching up lines and it's going on in the ear, that's got nothing to do with up here. That's well, on your uh, end. That's not doing that anymore. It's doing something else now. So it's doing something else. But like I said, on your end. On our end. Down there, Julio. Down there where the deer and the antelope play where Bob Vermouth and Minnie Bob continue having a great day, have not got a clue what's going on. You ought to hear what the engineer, I don't want to say it, because he's a good guy, the engineer up here, what he had to say about them. But anyway, no, he seriously, he couldn't believe it. He said, you know, we got full-time jobs up here. It's not like uh, we're just kind of like sitting around on our ass waiting for them to give us orders what to do, and the stuff shows up here like at the last second, and right away they give us like a deadline. It's got to be done in about five minutes. And they, they couldn't believe it. They just They were aghast. A guest, just like the engineer in Amsterdam, was a guest at uh, the incompetence. But nevertheless, that's Minnie uh, Bob and Bob uh, Vermouth. Oh, so let me tell you about what Bob Vermouth said about uh, Mo and uh, Ho. I guess that'll be tomorrow. Here's our poll question today. See, I'm I'm all off. You want to know why? Because we took two calls and I'm all, I feel like I'm all off. Now, what's the story with line three here? Is somebody on it? Hello. See, I see like the you don't whole... hear it. We don't hear it. Carlos hears it. Yeah, and no, I pressed it again. Hello. Neil. Yes, sir. Maricon. Yeah, see, there you go. Now, I had to press that twice. Now, what does that mean? I, First it went. I don't know what it means. It, it gave me kind of like way. that funky on hold thing. Right. And then, uh, I don't know. See, there you go. We got three calls there. There's a few. See, somebody said maybe just a few. Uh, two is a couple, and a few is uh, more than two. That's the definition of a few. Three or four or more is a few. Here's our poll question for today. What should the punishment be for Madeline Gorman too good? And I already gave this to Eric, so I'll read it fast. The Indiana woman caught on tape beating her little girl. Six choices for that. Uh, and, of course, George wanted to, like, embellish it a little bit for that uh, Irish traveling gypsy bitch. You know, I don't, don't want to be uh, that harsh on that bitch until we get to the last choice. What should the punishment be? Three years in jail, one year in jail. Now, these are just approximate times I pulled out of my ass, okay? I mean, uh, we can't have all the different choices on there. Probation and lose custody of her children. Probation only. No punishment. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Or burn the bitch at the stake on national TV. Oh! Huh? What, what should the punishment be? And, and to see the way some of these people are making excuses for her. And, well, we don't really see whether she had her hand closed or whether it was a fist. Or, you're right. Give me a frickin' break, okay, you maniacs on TV. In addition to which, what are they, what are they letting her use the national media as a conduit, as a Gary Condit, for her uh, excuses? This uh, traveling bitch, huh? Why Look not? At that. My phone is ringing in the other room. You think I should go get it? <laughs> Do you want to? Hey, no, maybe it's my, maybe it's Hank's bookie. Could be. <laughs> hey, listen, Hank had a 7-1 in his friend, baby, in August. Oh! Hank was the great fat white hope for uh, QAM in August. Nice going there, Humper. He held up his pants and held up uh, his end of the bargain. See, the rest of us, uh, like, like back in the spring book, remember how well we did, how well Mad Dog did? Huh? Yes. Remember that? Right. We were like the uh, great saviors of the station in the spring book. And now during the summer book, even though he had a bad start, now the humper <laughs> is like coming through. 
When's the uh, morning show going to come through and throw a number in there? Come on, throw us a number already, will you, you silly old man? Can't put a number in there, you clown. You silly person. Do, 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 do. Okay. Everything you ask him, it's the same response. Every time. Okay, I guess I better vote. Oh, yeah, let's see. Should Neil start taking calls? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll change my mind on there. No, I actually did say I'll blow my brains out. Here is the worst story in the history of the human race. AOL, Time Warner, Inc., and Walt Disney Company have held talks about merging their CNN and ABC news divisions into a standalone news powerhouse, the L.A. Times reported today. The newspaper, citing sources familiar with the situation, added the negotiations got a lukewarm reception last week at an AOL Time Warner board meeting. AOL Time Warner's parent company of CNN slash money, which is what this is in, their website. The talks have been sporadic for 18 months, but gained momentum in recent weeks, the Times quoted sources as saying. It is the closest CNN has come in its two-year effort to make an alliance with the rival broadcaster's news division in a bid to cut costs, the paper said. The Times said both companies acknowledged ongoing discussions about a news venture. We've had conversations for the last 18 months and no deal has been reached, Disney spokesperson Xenia Muka was quoted as saying. AOL Time Warner spokesman Brad Terrell told the Times, We've had conversations with two networks and no deals have been reached. Under the plan the two companies discussed, the two news divisions would be merged into a new company with revenues of more than $1.6 billion. CNN would account for more than a billion of that, and ABC the rest, according to the Times. AOL Time Warner would own from two-thirds to three-quarters of the new company, and Disney the remainder. The paper reported adding the operational control of the joint news venture might be more evenly split, mitigating some objections from ABC. CNN earns more than $200 million a year before taxes, while ABC News will earn an estimated pre-tax profit of 10 to $15 million this fiscal year, the Times said, citing people familiar with the numbers. We got the numbers, by the way, from the trends yesterday, and if I feel like it, we'll actually give some of them out. They're not too good for us. Not too good for George. Sorry. Not too good for Mo. Oh, man, not too good. But the humper <laughs> came through big time. Thank you, Hank. Thanks for holding us up with your suspenders. You don't even wear any. So there's the deal. Wouldn't that be something? As we have fewer and fewer choices and a smaller and smaller group of lunatics control all the propaganda that's passed off as freaking news in the U.S. of A. Very, very sad. That would be a tragic day. A sad, sad day. Not that we got, you know... Not that we got any choices now, but they're just reducing the number. Very sad. Oh, here's my vote on that uh, bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I give that away? On that too good? I got a great uh, column about too, the too good lady from um, Andrea Pizer in the New York Post. She says, too bad, too good. You're a lousy excuse for a parent. <laughs> That's a good headline, ain't it? Too bad, too good. That's great. Good old Andrea. Anyway, it's 940 at 560 WQM. I feel like, I, I don't know, but I told you yesterday this was going to be a tumultuous week on this show and on this station. Didn't I tell you that? You did. And I had my thumb on it as usual. I can, I can smell it, man, from a million miles away. Just drop one and I'll smell it all the way up here. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac GMC are ecstatic that we're talking about them. In fact, they ought to be honored that we're talking about them on this show, and they feel honored. Just go down there and ask them. Tom will say, every time Neil mentions my, mentions my name, I get a twitch in my groin. And right now, you'll get a twitch when you see that 0% financing is continuing at Hallett Pontiac. You heard right. With approved credit from GMAC, you can continue to get 0% financing for up to 36 months on all those nifty, spiffy, new 2003 Pontiacs and GMCs. Or take yourself a rebate up to $4,000 on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. The choice is yours. And while you're at Hallett, they'll be uh, glad to show you around, show you the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the year and the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV that's got the power of a big, fancy, schmancy sports car. 
And you'll also always find a dependable selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs at Hallett. No lemons on the lot. And like I always tell you, if credit's a problem for you, maybe you haven't been working in a while, maybe you have uh, like some lousy credit stuff on your credit record, have no fear. Because if anybody else turned you down, Hallett will cut your deal anyway. So for a spectacular deal on Pontiacs and GMCs, this is the only place you need to be thinking about Hallett Pontiac. They've been doing it right by people for over 35 years in that same great location. 13401 South Dixie Highway, that's US 1, right across from the most prestigious Falls. Open every day, seven days a week. You can call them at 305-238-4040. And be sure and tell them that old fat Neil told you to call 305-238-4040 for Hallett Pontiac GMC. They be professional grade. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. The way something. Yeah. You were right. Burn the bloody bitches. I wasn't going to play that. Hiya, pal. Oh. This is Rosie O'Donnell. So, you think I ain't a girl no more, huh? You think I ain't a girl no more? Two. Would I like to belt you one? Bang, zoom. Well, for your information, I'm the queen. The queen of my castle. Of course I'm a girl. Just ask any of my girlfriends. Like uh, Janet Reno or Ann Coulter. They'll tell you I'm a girl. A girl? I'm a girl. Just I don't like being a girl. And another thing. If you... Hey, what do you say to Rosie Ford? Oh, hiya, Kelly. Are you ready for some golfing? Oh, I'd like to get one of my... Yeah, not today, pal. I'm worried about everybody not thinking I'm femme. Think I might have something to do with you smelling like the Cuddy's fish market? You are a mental case. Jeez, what a crowd. Get out! All right, but then I can't give you this. Give me what? What do you got behind your back? Oh, come on, hand it over. Here. Badgesil? You got me Badgesil? I have just thought, uh, with all the problems you got, it'd be nice if you could clear up that mashed potato yeast. So, Kelly, you're the greatest. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that mashed potato yeast going around. You can smell it. <laughs> 947 at 560 WQA. It's all over the place. I'll tell you one thing, man. I got the cure this morning. Make no mistake about that. And you notice the Mighty Kong guy. That was the guy. Yeah. He's yeah. still there. Sure. It's not like we gave any great advance notice that we're going to take like a, a couple of calls on the show today. In fact, probably most people assumed I would not, especially after the results of the poll. Just for the hell of it, since they fixed the phone, let's try it out and discover, by the way, that it's all screwed up down there again as usual because their engineers don't know their ass from my elbow. But nevertheless, because it's, it's interesting. When he puts a call on, and in fact, line five was on kind of a funky, uh, not on the usual hold thing, but it was on, uh, I don't know what, what that That's symbol regular. Means. You're used to the screen hold, which is the check mark. That's regular hold that doesn't put people in uh, numerical order when you punch up the next button. No, but there's another hold that's got like a um, like uh, brackets with a dot right. in the middle. that's regular hold. No, but that, that's not what it shows on here. It shows the little uh, phone kind of like symbol. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that's, looks that like, means looks like, a, looks, like a, looks like a turtle. Yeah, that means that the line is on. As in well, on how could air. line five have been on? I had to like punch it off. Anyway, we don't want to go into all this technical stuff because the audience is going to go into a coma, and we're really we want to apologize profusely for getting emotional and getting carried away because the cranks want back on the ear, and my answer is no, absolutely not, no chance, no way, Jose. I'll tell you when the audience when when they absolutely pulled the final plug on having anything left to say at all. I mean, they were running out a long time before that, but last 9-11, about three, four days after 9-11, you would have thought that everybody would have had something to say, right? Wouldn't you think right. so? You'd think. About three, four days after that, that was the end of that. They had nothing left to say. They were, like, reaching and searching, and uh, they had nothing to say. And that was the end. And it seems to me, I could be wrong, but it seems that um, by February... I did like a little experiment for a couple of weeks, and I said right. no more calls. Remember, I, I, remember. I had done I had done the previous December. 
not December of 2001, but the previous December I did for three weeks, you know, first time ever. Oh, let's just not take any calls. Oh, you can't do that. How can you do a show? Well, we did it. And so in February of this year, I did it again for a couple of weeks. And then when I came up here, we started taking calls for a very few days. And it just took a few days to realize that what's the point of this? What is the point of this? Oh, Neil, you sound so happy up there. You sound so great. Oh, I don't like the tone of the show, Neil. I don't like. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Click. Hey, if you want to talk to assholes, man, just get yourself the uh, yellow pages, of the, the white pages of the, or the yellow pages of the phone directory and just go from uh, Aardvark to Zebra. Just make some calls. You'll find plenty of assholes out there, okay? I don't have time for assholes on this show. We're preceded by one for three hours. We don't need to have any more on this show. Forty-six votes on the poll. What should the punishment be for Madeline Gorman too good? Do you that woman caught on the tape beating the crap out of her little girl, beating the snot out of that poor little kid? Burn the bitch at stake on national TV. Fourteen. Oh! All right, that's what I voted. What did you vote? I guess. Probation and lost the custody of her child. Now, see, why does it say her child? She's got three children. Okay, children. Probably my mistake. You know why? Because I abbreviated that when I wrote that to Eric. You better get with him, mister. You've not only got a bad trend, but now you're starting to like short changes on the poll. You better get your poll question straight, mister. I think Mo had a point about you when he said... Yeah, fire that little spick. Anyway, probation and loss of custody of her children is what that should be. I'm sure Eric will add the R-E-N. Wren, like Peter Wren and Bobby Wren of the uh, Maple Leafs. Uh, Twelve. Twelve people say that. Probation only eleven. A year in jail four. No punishment. Spare the rod and spoil the child three. And three years in jail two. Spare the rod and spoil the child, baby. We got three people who said that. Just beat the snot out of that kid. <coughs> exactly. Beat her to a bloody pulp. And don't take any crap from those punky little kids. Well, you know, she actually didn't get the goods in the store, I guess, is why Mommy got uh, pissed off, and they had to, like, page her twice. Right, because the kid was out of control. Well, what do you mean the kid was out of control? She just wasn't uh, getting the goods that she was supposed to pick up so they could, like, return her for a refund. Right, well, but we'll, she we'll get to, the kid We'll get to all that stuff about her and about the gypsies, I mean, the Irish travelers and the gypsies, I mean, whatever Same the hell thing. they are. Oh, there's a great line in there about the uh, trailer park, but we'll get to that. U.S. sent Iraq germs in the mid-'80s. I'm going to go back to my bedtime stories, okay? Whether that guy likes it or not. This is from the Buffalo News, no less. You ready? Ready. American Research Company. Oh, and I, I haven't even got to Tony Blair yet. It is clear. Well, we'll get to him. American Research Companies, with the approval of two previous presidential administrations, provided Iraq biological cultures that could be used for biological weapons, according to testimony to a U.S. Senate committee eight years ago. Oh, you know, I, I think a lot of you are too emotionally crippled to be listening to this. West Nile virus, E. coli, botulism, and anthrax were among the potentially fatal biological cultures that a U.S. company sent under U.S. Commerce Department licenses after 1985 when Ronald Reagan was president, according to the Senate testimony. The Commerce Department of the first Bush administration also authorized eight shipments of cultures that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention later classified as having biological warfare and significance. Between 1985 and 89, the Senate testimony shows Iraq received at least 72 U.S. shipments of clones, germs, and chemicals, ranging from substances that could destroy wheat crops, give children and animals the bone-deforming disease rickets, to a nerve gas rated a million times more lethal than sarin gas. 
Disclosures about such shipments in the late 80s not only highlight questions about old policies, but pose new ones, such as how well the American military forces would be protected against such an arsenal if one exists should the U.S. invade Iraq. Testimony on these shipments was offered in 1994 to the Senate Banking Committee, headed by then-Senators Donald Regal of Michigan and Alphonse D'Amato of New York, who were critics of the policy. The testimony, which occurred during hearings that were held about the poor health of some returning Gulf War veterans, was brought to the attention of the Buffalo News by associates of Regal. And we're not talking about Gene Regal, either the driver. The committee oversees the work of the U.S. Export Administration of the Commerce Department, which licenses the shipments of the dangerous biological agents. Saddam Hussein took full advantage of the arrangement, Regal said in an interview with the news late last week. They seemed to give him anything he wanted. Even so, it's right out of a science fiction movie as to why we would send this kind of stuff to anybody, he said. The new Bush administration, he said, claims Hussein is adding to his bioweapons capability. If that's the case, then the issue needs discussion and clarity, Regal said, but it's not something anybody wants to talk about. The shipments were sent to Iraq in the late 80s when that country was engaged in a war with Iran and Presidents Reagan and George Bush won were trying to diminish the influence of a nation that took Americans hostages a decade earlier and was still aiding anti-Israeli terrorists. Iraq was considered an ally of the U.S. in the 1980s, said Nancy Wysocki, Vice President for Public Relations for one of the U.S. organizations that provided the materials to Hussein's regime. All these shipments were properly licensed by the government, otherwise they would not have been sent, said Wysocki, who works for American-type culture collection Manassas, Virginia, a nonprofit bioformatics firm. The shipments not only raised serious questions about the wisdom of former administrations, Regal said, but also questions about what steps the Defense Department is taking to protect American military personnel against Saddam's biological arsenal in the event of an invasion. Regal said there are 100,000 names on the National Registry of Gulf veterans who reported illnesses they believe stem from their tours of duty there. Some of these people who went over there as young, able-bodied Americans are now desperately ill, he said. Some of them have died. One of the obvious questions for today is, how is our Defense Department adjusted to this threat to our own troops, he said. How might this potential war proceed differently so that we don't have the same outcome? How would our troops be protected? What kind of sensors do we have now? In the Gulf War, the battlefield sensors went off tens of thousands of times. The Defense Department says they were false alarms. U.S. bioformatics firms in the 1980s received requests from a wide variety of Iraqi agencies, all claiming the materials were intended for civilian research purposes. The congressional testimony from 1994 cites an American-type ship in 1985 to the Iraq Ministry of Higher Education of a substance that resembles tuberculosis and influenza and causes enlargement of the liver and spleen. It can also infect the brain, lungs, heart, and spinal column. The, the substance is called histoplasma capsulatum. American type also provided clones used in the development of germs that would kill plants. The material went to the Iraq Atomic Energy Commission, which the U.S. government says is a front for Saddam's military. An organization called the State Company for Drug Industries received a pneumonia virus and E. coli, salmonella, and staphylococcus in August 87 under U.S. license, according to a Senate testimony. The country's Ministry of Trade got 33 batches of deadly germs, including anthrax and botulism, in 88. Ten months after the first President Bush was inaugurated in 88, an unnamed U.S. firm sent eight substances, including the germ that causes strep throat, to Iraq's University of Basra. An unnamed office in Basra, Iraq, got West... Nile fever virus from an unnamed U.S. company in 85, the Senate testimony shows. While there's no proof that the recent outbreak of West Nile virus in the U.S. stemmed from anything Iraq did, Regal said, you have to ask yourself, might there be a connection? Researchers at the Center for Strategic and International Studies said American companies were not the only ones who sent anthrax culture to Iraq. British firms sold cultures to the University of Baghdad that were transferred to the Iraqi military. The Center for Strategic and International Studies says the Swiss also sent cultures. 
The data on American shipments of deadly biological agents to Iraq was developed for the Senate Banking Committee in the winter of 94 by the panel's chief investigator, James Tweet, and other staffers, and entered into the committee record May 25, 1994. The committee was trying to establish that thousands of service personnel were harmed by exposure to Iraqi chemical weapons during the Gulf War, especially following a U.S. air attack on a munitions dump, a theory that the Defense Department and much of official Washington have always downplayed. And you want to know they downplay it because it's too embarrassing. How about that little bedtime story from the Buffalo News, which I'm sure none of you have read? Enough to make you crap your pants, ain't it? Well, look out for that mosquito. 9.56 at 5.60 WQM. If you want to lose some weight, do like the Beast is doing, baby. Of course, when the Beast comes back, he's not going to be on that morning show anymore. Do, 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 do. But nevertheless, at least, in fact, that'll probably help him live a lot longer, too. You know what? Yeah. And you, can, and you can live longer, too. If you lose that weight, you get in better health. The way to do it is the easy way with the balance for life. Because instead of worrying about how you figure out what you eat every day, they figure it out for you. The only easy choice you got is you take their little menu they send you and you make a choice between two alternatives for every meal every day that you're on the program. You check off which one you want, and that's what you wind up with in your little black sack. Every morning by 6 a.m., bright and early, there's your beautiful little black sack. And you open it up, you unzip that thing and the sack, too, and inside there are three delicious gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, and a little bottle of water. And when I say delicious, I'm not exaggerating. The food is fresh. It's made with the best ingredients, lots of veggies, lots of stuff that's good for you. Nothing frozen, no crap, nothing artificial. And believe me, you'll be full. You'll be full to the gullet at the end of the day. And the weight comes pouring off of you because you're not eating a lot of crap. So instead of shopping and trying to count carbs and calories and do all the other impossible things, which just doesn't work, let the Balance for Life people help you lose the weight the painless, delicious way. Call them right now. Get started right away. 954-568-3229. That's 954-568-3229. Or visit their prestigious website at balanceforlife.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. Who the callers? Oh! Absolutely correct. Oh! Hey, there we go. Hey, y'all, my name is Vance Eugene Thomas, President Bush's nominee for the Supreme Court. And you know, there's lots of people out there that think just off. I smoked a little marijuana when I was in college. Yeah, it wasn't nothing but a pen joint. Well, maybe a cigar side joint. I don't remember, y'all. Then they don't think I'm fit to be on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I got the munchies. Let's do this quick and get out of here. I want to set y'all straight. When I stop reviewing the law, I don't just review the law. Hell, y'all. I be talking. All right. And I talk it to the east. And I talk it to the west. And I talk it while I look up Sandra Day O'Connor's dress. I be talking. <laughs> Let's go burn one, y'all. Let's go burn one at the stake, y'all. What do you say? And that looks like the uh, winning. Well, it's ahead by a little bit. Burn the bitch at the stake on National DB 27. That traveling too good bitch. Too yes. good for her own uh, good. Anyway, I guess I better talk a little bit about the numbers, shouldn't I? Yeah. A little later on. Well, you, you want to do it right now? I don't well, think whatever, so. Whatever, whatever. I don't think so. After after taking that little uh, spate of calls that we took there, and, of course, having the tech, is Julio still uh, on the, his hands and knees? No, he gave up and ran out of here. He gave up? Well, I mean, I was, <laughs> we reset the computer. That was his, uh, you know, his best idea, and it's still uh, doing the same thing. He uh -huh. said he was going to go research. Something. But you can just, uh, you know, pick them right up while they're ringing. That's the only way oh, you're no, going to get them no, on the no, air. Oh, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. 
All we know is that if we if we need it for some spectacular reason, just like Muff said to me on the phone yesterday, he said, you know, at least we have the capability. We don't we don't have the capability of doing it right, but at least we have the ability of putting it on the air. Like if something really monumental happened, like the end of the world, and we wanted to say bye bye everybody, you know, we could like communicate with them and say bye bye and put them on the air. You know, that would okay. be kind of like a nice touch. But other than that, I think uh, short of short of something really cataclysmic, I have no plans for calls in the uh, near term anyway. Like between now and let's see, what year is my contract end? I mean, I mean, it's what what is going to make it change? Why is it going to be any different now than it was six months ago, twelve months ago, a year ago? Sukkis, is it going to change? No. Is there anything different? No. Are the callers all of a sudden going to have anything to say? Uh, no. no. They have nothing to say, which is why it cracks me up as much as I love uh, Mr. Mad Dog, as opposed to Mrs. Mad Dog, because I don't know her. Although I hear she's hot. She's hot. But nevertheless, as much as I love him, he, he has this thing where he says every day, you know, you're uh, encouraged to call. You are the show. They're not the show. I mean, he's saying that to be like uh, ingratiating, I guess, to the callers. He knows better than that. If, if the callers were the show, we could have a bunch of monkeys come in here and sit down and punch up calls and just sit there and go, make noises like like that. You know? Boy, did I cut him short there? Oh, sorry. I want to let him get all his material out, the good stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's just uh, you just it's pointless. And if you listen to those sports nerd calls, which you don't, because you don't listen to the sports shows, but if you did, you know what I'm talking about? It's the same dreck, same crap. I mean, you're talking about people in serious need of a life transplant, and yeah, I mean, good God, I got my NFL package. I said I probably watch more goddamn uh, football than most of these super jock, uh, you know, experts out there put together because I got the package. And I'm not just watching one ball game. I'm, I'm all over the goddamn place. Although mostly the Patriots, of course. But nevertheless. And of course, hockey games, which they're not allowed to talk about there in the morning. That's going to help you too, Mo, with hockey season coming up. Don't let Gildy utter a word. Don't even let him say, puck you, you know, something like that. Somebody's got to take the bull by the horns in that place. And that's the problem. We got 75 general managers, 42 program directors. Now we got an operations manager. We got 53 engineers. Everybody's in charge and we can't get anything done right. And we're still making money hand over fist. And that's what allows them to continue. That's what allows the Greg Reed uh, machine to continue pumping along. Just like power. Speaking of rain, let's talk about power. Let's talk about a good story for Beasley, huh? Power kicks ass. <laughs> what did I tell you, Disney? What did I tell you? The party is freaking over. Over there on party radio with their derude, with the same old crap, it's over. That's my opinion. I'm Mike Disney. And you're right. They kicked your ass. After your big start those first few months, after that big precipitous start, let's take a look. 18 to 34, that's their demo, of course. Right? Right. Persons, of course. Persons 18 to 34, men and women. Monday through Sunday, this is for the entire week. WEDR, the Schwarzer Station's number one with a 12.1. They're wrapping it. Power is right on their ass. This, I think, is the closest they've come in recent memory to knocking off EDR for number one in uh, persons 18 to 34. They got an 11.9. Of course, teens is also part of the demo. We don't we don't bother with that because we don't have any. But power 11.9, the number two. Now party is number three, but they got a 6.4 down from a 7.1 in the last trend, and dropping like a goddamn turd into the bowl is what they're doing. They're dropping like a big, fat one right out of Disney's ass. That's my opinion. I'm Mike Disney. How do you like that? And if you look at specific day parts, I mean, the picture is even uglier. I don't know where the hell they get that uh, number three in the market. Because, for example, in Morning Drive, where we put the... Who's the guy they found out there on 441 by Ives Dairy? What the hell's his name? I don't, I don't know. Albie Silk. Oh, our our guy. I thought you were asking about the power. No, I'm talking guy. about Albie Silk. Oh, they Albie, found him out there by guy. Chuck Subs on the corner no, there. No, he's big. What do you mean he's big? I mean, physically. Look, I don't go in a, a tea room there and check guys uh, out. Uh, he's a little man with big ratings. He's a little man with a big one? 
Powers got an 8.6 to number three in the morning, almost uh, Howard's ass. And I'm not talking about Howard David either. Do, 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 do. You know what Howard I'm talking about, the real Howard. EDR's got a 10-3 in the morning in 18 to 34. Biggs got an 8-9 and right on their ass is Power with an 8-6. Al B. Silk, he's the best. And they're not even on the first page, Party Radio. They're on the second page with a 3.6. That's a pathetic number. That's my opinion. I'm Mike Disney. Number 10. Who's number 10, baby? Who's number 6? Who's number one? So, so based on that, let's let's hear it for Power and Kid Scurvy, man. Oh! Always liked him ever since he gave me those Backstreet Boys tickets, even though I didn't go to the concert. Always liked Kid Scurvy, didn't I? Always, except for uh, whatever I was pissed off at him about. What was I uh, pissed off at him about? I don't know, because John gave him some music to play and he wouldn't. Oh well, that, I, hey, listen, that's no sweat off my ass. I mean, he could have been playing some really good music, but uh, maybe he got around to playing it eventually. I don't know. He doesn't want to, like, be ahead of the curve. He wants to play the same crap that South Florida FM is famous for playing. Crap. That, that's the name of the game in South Florida music, which is why so many see, you know, something that's good for the record business. It's good for uh, the record stores. That's why people sell so many goddamn CDs. And, of course, now that KAT is playing classical music, they won't be selling so many classical CDs because those old cockers out there, those pseudo-intellectuals, they can get their classical music for free now on WKAT. little static in there, <laughs> like that. You think the Raspberry Man is caught in your radio, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, he's stuck in your radio. <laughs> right in the middle of uh, Beethoven and Bach and Brahms. Bach and Mozart and Chopin. They're chopping it. So there you go. Good luck to you. 1360 on the dial, by the way, WKT. I used to work there when it was a talk station. Catch the cat. We used to, You know we used to have bus uh, billboards? No, get out. Isn't that what they call those things? Sure. We used to have bus billboards, and it had like the, the red... It had the CBS logo, and it had the red outline of like a, like a cat, you know, uh, with a long neck, like a zebra neck, a cat. And it said, Catch the Cat, 1360 WK Talk Radio. It was great. Thank you again, by the way, Sid Levin. Love you, Sid. He's the guy that gave me the chance to be here today, you know. He's the one. He's the man, Sid Levin. And Dick Casper and Gary Lawrence, who was a good guy. Anybody else you want to thank in the market? No. Want to thank Greg? No. No, thanks. Thanks for your great engineers, by the way, Greg. They're doing it, baby. Even up here, they're laughing at them. They don't even know who they are, and they're laughing at them. Uh, i got to continue with my bedtime stories, by the way. Okay. And I'm glad that those people are upset with my bedtime stories. They're still listening. You might learn something. I know that's dangerous, sir, with my bedtime stories. Like that first story, wasn't that a little bit unsettling there about the uh, Buffalo uh, news story? About all the crap that we sent over there. But you see, oh, we're not supposed to hear about those things because, see, what we did is we, oh, it's like on passions. We let the genie out of the, out of the bottle, Hecuba. We let her out of the bottle and now we don't know how to control her. That's what we did. So we built him up to beat the Iranians. We, uh, got beyond, and then here's Tony Blair on there screaming this morning about, well, you know, Sodom killed a million uh, people in the war, his war against Iran. Who the hell, uh, enabled him to do that? Who enabled him to do that? He'd be he'd be a speck of dust in the desert over there right now if it wouldn't have been for the USA. Backing him in that war against Iran. They would have knocked him into oblivion. He'd be better than a goddamn doornail. And not to mention that, but who the hell gave him those chemicals, which I just read in that article, so we could uh, unleash the poison gas. And all of this baloney about, well, he didn't use any of it against us in the Gulf War. Not so fast. And you remember when Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont was ta questioning about the West Nile virus and even I was questioning his sanity? Well, guess what? Maybe he knew a little more than we know. See what I'm saying? What are you saying? I'm saying maybe he was right is what I'm saying. Based on that story that I just read, that bedtime story I just had from the Buffalo News, which is uh, I put it in my pile of savers, which I don't have too many that I think are so damn important. I put it in my pile of savers, something to keep in mind. 
And the next one from the International Herald Tribune, which is reprinted from the Washington Post yesterday by Dana Priest and Dana Milbank, missing in 9-11 hearings what two presidents knew. Also, I think, will be in that pile. And then, of course, we'll get to the witch, I mean, the uh, Irish traveler. And then we got the Britney story way on down the line. And then, of course, I got that important thing about the Aaron Sorkin, which I said, be sure to remind me that it's in my pile. But hey, don't forget that. Sir. There's so many important things going on here, so many important bedtime stories, and especially the one about uh, Ron King retiring from life. Who? I have no idea. I mean, wouldn't you think I've been in the market 26 and a half years, going on 27 now? Wouldn't you think... That just by osmosis, just sitting in a doctor's office, you'd wouldn't exactly somebody, somebody somewhere would have said, "Hey, you know that Ron King that's on Life? I, I don't know anybody who knows who that is." I, I, I uh... but it's in the Herald, so it must be accurate. It must be a very important guy, and he's been entertaining a lot of people <laughs> with that Carpenter. I do like the Carpenters, by the way, but you have to be in the right mood for them. But you know, once every five years. Rainy days and months. She's kind of depressing, you know, and then you start thinking about her starving to death. And, right. You know, it's depressing. Oh, well. We don't want to be depressed. We already got Sodom to worry about. And then, of course, we got Tony Blair. Tis clear. I know. Who gives the weather reports now on the BBC in his spare time. You hear that? <laughs> and, of course, if it's clear in England, that is big news because that rarely happens. It's usually cloudy and gay, uh, gray. 10, 12 at 560 WQM. Todd Rex, an asshole. You know that? Yes. Well, he is. I'm going to mention at the beginning of every spot that he's got, but he's only got two, and he doesn't service them at all. In fact, wasn't wasn't yesterday the day that the guy was getting back, our friend at Fast Train, we're going to get some great new copy from this guy who writes his own copy? I don't know. Remember that? That was the excuse last week. That was the story. Did we get it? No. Is Todd Dreck doing his job? No. Is he a major, major asshole? Yes. By now you've heard the incredible earning potential of computer professional guys, and you've heard us talk about the incredible demand for certified computer professionals out there. That's right, there's a big demand for salespeople, too, who really service their accounts. You've also heard us talk about the great people at Fast Train. So do yourself a big favor. Get out of your dead-end job, start earning a paycheck that's worth looking at, and pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. I can't believe you didn't get your stub yet. Sorry. You can complete your program, get certified in just four short months, and be on your way to a new, higher-paying career. Like I said, a paycheck that's worth talking about. Fast Train's got four convenient locations in Dade and Broward, including the new one in Kendall. They've got convenient day-evening weekend classes to fit your busy schedule. Fast Train's got full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience, too. So if you pick up that phone right now, in just four months, you can be looking at a paycheck that'll put a smile on your puss and some money in your ass. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll-free, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. When you call, be sure and tell them Todd Dreck is a total waste of space. Or check them out on the web if you like at FastTrain.com. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. People are isoles. You've heard the secrets behind Saddam Hussein's mistress. But that's just half the story. Find out who Saddam Hussein really is when ABC confronts Saddam Hussein's baby's mama. Saddam, his sorry ass ain't never take And where is my check? Uh-uh, he always like ain't never on time. His Saddam Hussein, the most methodical Arab leader in the 20th century. Find out the deep secrets of Saddam Hussein. I told this fool to come pick me up and he came and picked me up on this busted ass camel. A camel? Who I look like? And that camel was spitting on my dashiki. I was like, uh-uh. Find out how he really is in bed. I don't know how he had 15 wives. 15 wives? He couldn't even hang 15 seconds with me, okay? Uh, why did you stay with him? Why did I stay with him? He got dollars, okay? He got Benz's, Beamers,
Thomas ventilates all the bees, okay? He got paid for Don't miss Saddam's baby's mama. And am I getting paid for this? Tonight on ABC. 1018 at 560 WQM. Happy Tuesday to you, man. A beautiful day here in Toronto, baby. The sun is shining. It's going to be 72 today, eh? Love it. Don't love these numbers, though. Wasn't too, uh, not too promising. Morning had a disastrous trend. I mean, just a, an embarrassing. See, when you look at the men 18 plus and it says a four point. Oh! That don't look too bad. Don't look great, but don't look too bad. Looks like about what it used to be. But then you extrapolate the individual month and it turns out to be about a three point. Oh! And then you realize that includes 6 to 10 a.m., which includes our first hour. Or George's first hour in this case, which you know is certainly higher than a three point. Oh! So that means that actually they're doing under a three, like two something in the morning. I mean, two something in men, and this is the guy that's going to like show us what talk radio is supposed to be all about? He's going to reinvent sports talk, this guy who goes do, 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 do. like that? I don't think so, Mo. You know, you can have those sycophants there looking at your toes about your big uh, play-by-play and all that other crap, but that's not doing a talk show. You follow what I'm saying? Talking to the same bunch of boring chronics is not what I call doing an entertaining talk show in the morning. We need a lead-in, baby. Forget about mentioning our name. We need some kind of a lead-in. We need, like, uh, you know what I'm talking about? A little momentum there, a little mo. Momentum. I thought that's what mo was short for, was momentum, as opposed to, like, Jackie Mo. Or as opposed to the mo we hear and the more we get uh, uh, on a puke. So, anyway, he had a bad number. George had a bad number. Yes. And is proud of it. Well... Well, you want to live up to your expectations. You want to be starting throwing good numbers in there, and then they'll expect like the next, the same thing next summer. Now, I'll take part of the blame for that because uh, August, we're talking about the month of August, was a, a mitigated disaster. Because I was sick quite a bit there in August, right? Like two weeks, two and a half weeks. Now you're getting carried away. I thought it was no, two I, weeks. I, 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 two I weeks missed about that you didn't do a show. Well, and that wasn't all because of being sick, because you reminded me that I had that extra week off in right. my contract, like starting August 5th or whatever the hell it was. So in August, I think I did maybe a couple of shows the whole month. Right. And it shows. <laughs> I mean, you know, see, one thing I've noticed about you is that, like, uh, the end of June there in July, you know, when you start in, fine, they can handle that for a while. But they get, you know, after the 85th show on eating ass, they start getting a little bit nervous. You know what I'm saying? So you wear a little bit thin after a while. You're, you're, you're much improved this summer, did a fine job, but... After the 724th show about sucking armpits, they start getting a little bit nervous. And then after that fecal matter starts seeping into their radio and they can start smelling it, they say, I don't think so, George. You know, we like you a lot. We haven't done that yet. I'm writing that down for next time. Something to write down for next summer, okay? Assuming uh, we're still here. So anyway, what do we have? We had, uh, where the hell is it? Oh, but guess what? Here's the good news, though. In fact, even leave it to Muff. Damn it! Talk about hanging on by his thumbnail. And, of course, this is 10 to 3, so you can suggest the Mad Dog did poorly, but I don't think so. But nevertheless, George and Men 18 Plus, a 6.1 is still number one, although WEDR is right on his heels oh! with a 6.0. Oh! See, I did that out of order. Sorry. So by a tenth of a point, you held on there. WIOD uh, had a 5.8. They're number three. Although that's a drop down for them. So Rush, all contrary to what I was thinking, Rush actually isn't benefiting. I'll tell you the guy who's shocked. Now, the Humper, let me say it again. Humper in the month of August had a 7.1. You had a 4.9. And the morning had like under a 3. Under a 3 in the month of August when you extrapolate 6 to 9. Under a 3 share for all of that money and all of that bluster and talk. And all of that attitude. Anyway, the Humper had a 7.1 share. Let's hear it. Ace! 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 Let's hear it for the Humper. 7.1. After a couple of bad months. And you knew the bad months were a fluke. 
Hank's audience is pretty steady out there. Those degenerate gamblers, they're, you know, may, maybe they were tapped out during the summer months. But August, they got like, you know, somebody gave them like a little, uh, a little something on the side. And Hank went back up to a 4-9. He's uh, back up to, see, he went from seventh in the last trend to tied for second in this one. And guess who he's tied with? Oh, Tom, uh, Sch Schnitt, uh, Schmidt, uh, Schmidt, whatever the guy's name is. On IOD, which is amazing to me, which I guess that means people like a lot of commercials. Because the last time I heard that guy, all he was doing was like threatening to talk about something, and then they would go into about a 10-minute break, and then they'd come back and threaten to talk about something else, and then they would do traffic and weather, another five-minute break, and he'd come back and uh, go on to threaten about something else he was going to talk about, but never did. So he's, and so Hank went way up, but this guy must have had a big trend, too, for some strange reason. What does that tell you? I, I don't know. And Howard Sperm had another gigantic trend. He's, uh, I mean, just forget about him. Just put him in a separate category. Legendary. 8.9 in the spring book. The next trend, he actually went down a little bit to a 7.8. But in his last trend, which is two-thirds of the summer book, Howard the Sperm is up to an 8.5. So we got the wrong Howard, I think, is what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. I think that's the problem. He's the guy that's got the audience out there. they got the men. He's got the men. We've got the emotional cripples who all they know about is uh, ball games and jock straps. That's all they know about. That's all we got. Anyway, can I continue now? Because I, I feel like I've wasted about an hour and a half today, you know? Except for that, except for the couple of things that I've actually talked about, like the Buffalo News article. That was uh, very uh, disconcerting, to say the best. And I think I summed it up pretty well when I said we let the genie out of the bottle, and now we don't know how to get him back in there again. We have to exterminate him before he turns. He turns back on us with the crap that we gave him. See what I'm saying? Yep. International Herald Tribune reprints from the Washington Post. Conspicuously absent from three days of riveting hearings chronicling missed opportunities leading up to the 9-11 attacks is what was known about al-Qaeda by the two key decision makers, President George W. Bush and his predecessor, predecessor Bill, don't call me Bubba Clinton. The Bush White House says that Congress is not entitled to such information, but a growing number of Republicans and Democrats on the Joint House-Senate panel investigating the attacks said last week that if the White House continued its refusal to declassify information on what Bush was told before the attack, they would ask the Senate to take the extraordinary step of over overruling Bush's decision to shield the information. It's silly, and they ought to change their decision, said Orrin Snatch. Republican senator from Utah, an ally of the Republican administration, the president's getting poor advice. Amid rising calls for a fuller disclosure by Bush, the administration offered a concession Friday by dropping its opposition to that independent commission to investigate the 9-11 attacks. Administration officials said the inquiry should not examine the intelligence failures, a caveat that led some families of 9-11 victims to dismiss the move as meaningless. But Democrats in Congress said the decision to end months of opposition to an independent inquiry made it less likely that Bush would eventually endorse an inquiry that included intelligence failures. A senior administration official did not dispute that view. It's an independent commission. They can, by definition, do what they see fit, the official said. Over the last several months, the CIA, working with the congressional panel, expedited the declassification of dozens of intelligence reports and communications before the 9-11 attacks relating to the hijackers, the threat from Osama, Yamama bin Laden, and the possibility of al-Qaeda's using airplanes as weapons. At issue in the dispute between the panel and the White House is whether the panel would be allowed to publicly reveal how much of that information was shared with senior White House officials as well as with Bush and Clinton. That would help to show what the presidents knew about threats, how seriously they took them, and what they did in part to try to thwart al-Qaeda. Since the information that the panel is uh, disputing has been declassified for the panel report, revealing uh, to whom it was distributed, the White House would not harm national security, said Eleanor Hill, staff director of the House Senate panel. 
The Bush administration, as the custodian of all White House documents, has the authority to deny the release of information concerning Clinton, White House officials said. Releasing the records related to the president, the White House asserted, would inhibit Bush's closest advisors and the advisors of future presidents from giving their most candid advice for fear it might be made public and might be embarrassing. Similar arguments have been used to withhold information from Congress on such matters as energy policy and presidential pardons. A White House spokesman, Sean McCormick, said, we will not do anything that could prevent presidents from getting precisely the candid intelligence assessments and advice they need. How do you like that? I don't. 27 after 10 at 560 WQAM. Speaking of Todd Dreck, see if it's me, if I'm the new program director or the uh, operations manager or somebody that's going to play Butch Boston there, I get right in Todd Dreck's face and say, okay, where's that copy you were supposed to have yesterday? Where you, where's the follow-through on what we talked about last week? You follow what I'm saying? No. You think they're doing it? No. No. Have you heard the news about the 3.95% mortgage? Have you heard that? Yes. Of course you have. And if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to stop thinking and start doing. Do something smart. It's time to purchase a home or refinance your existing home at an unbelievable low rate of only 3.95%. If you have a 7.5% mortgage, that 3.95% rate would save you over 3.5% or over 3,500 bucks the first year on a $100,000 mortgage. Don't make things hard for yourself. Make them easy and just pick up that phone. Make one easy phone call to Financial Group at 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. Getting yourself a mortgage someplace else will cost you in the long run thousands of dollars extra each year. So what's, what's the point of, like, giving money away? Think of all the money you can save when you have a 3.95% mortgage. Financial Group has helped thousands of folks just like you. Put your financing in the best possible position by getting yourself a 3.95% mortgage. Call Financial Group today right now, toll free. It's 1-800-940-5363. That's 1-800-940-5363. They're an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply, and rates are subject to change if you wait too long. This station stands for nothing. Yes. Thank God that wasn't rigged, too, you know it. Yeah. That's 162 good. votes on our poll this morning. What should the punishment be for Madeline Gorman too good? The Indiana bitch caught on tape beating the crap out of her poor little four-year-old girl. 
Uh, burned a bitch at the stake on national TV. 56. Probation and lost the custody of her chillins. 31. Probation only 31. A year in jail, 19. No punishment. Spare the rod and spoil the child. 13. And three years in jail, 12. Left-wing Sorkin blast Bush. We're pretending he has exhibited... What? We're pretending he has exhibited unspeakable courage. That's the headline. Never read the headline. The force behind NBC's West Wing is blasting off against the real West Wing in upcoming pages of The New Yorker, which names Aaron Sorkin the country's loyal opposition. New Yorker reported, reporter Ted Friend has penned a high-impact talk of the town set for release in March 4th edition. March 4th? March 4th? That's what it looks like here. How can that be? I don't get how, it. How is that possible? I mean, it's got to be a misprint. Sorkin, the creator, producer, producer, writer of West Wing, tells friend, it's absolutely right that at this time we're all laying off the Bush bubblehead jokes. But that's a far cry from what the Times and CNN and others on whom we're live for unvarnished objectivity are telling us, which is that, my God, on September 12th, he woke up as Teddy Roosevelt and became the Rough Rider. Maybe this was last March. Who the hell knows? Of NBC's own look at a day in the life of the presidency, the Bush White House inside the real West Wing, which aired as the lead-in to a West Wing repeat a few weeks ago, Sorkin charges the White House pumped up the president's schedule to show him being much busier and more engaged than he is, and Tom Brokaw let it happen? Now, that's a misprint. Sorkin continues, the show was a valentine to Bush. That illusion may be what we need right now, but the truth is we're simply pretending to believe that Bush exhibited unspeakable courage at the World Series by throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium, or that he, by God, showed those, showed those terrorists by going out to Salt Lake City and jumbling the first line of the Olympic opening ceremony. The media is waving pom-poms, and the entire country is being polite, Sorkin declares. I just began reading Frank Brunei's campaign book, Ambling into History, The Unlikely Odyssey of George W. Bush, which begins with candidate Bush at a service in Texas for seven people who were killed in a church by a crazy gunman. Brunei describes Bush making goofy faces at the press and reminds you of a junior high schooler on a museum field trip. Sorkin tells the magazine that he's planning to revisit the Bush-Gore Florida showdown in an upcoming episode. President Josiah Bartlett, played by actor Martin Sheen, who's called Bush a white-knuckled drunk, is up for re-election this November. Bartlett is going to be running against Governor Robert Ritchie of Florida, who's not the sharpest tool in the box, but who's raised a lot of money and is very popular with the Republican Party, Sorkin says. It was frustrating watching Gore try so hard not to appear smart in the debates. Why not just say, here's my effing resume, what do you got? We're a completely fictional, non-political show, but one of our motors is doing our version of the old Mad Magazine, Scenes We Like to See, and so to an extent we're going to return to the last election and try a few different plays than the Gore campaign did, says Aaron Sorkin. That thing about uh, the March 4th issue, that kind of like uh, throws me, you know, but that's got to be a misprint. I don't get it. Maybe, maybe in October 4th. Whatever the hell it means, it all uh, it makes sense to me. And by the way, speaking of Al Gore... I told George before the show he's become a parody of himself. Anybody saw his pathetic performance yesterday, it was uh, tragic. Go away, Al. Take Janet and uh, hop into that red pickup truck, the two of you together, off into the sunset. Not only that, he's gotten big. He looks like we were talking about Raymond Burr the other day. He's uh, Raymond Burr times two. He's a monster in the political business. Gigantic. And Thottam Hussein is just a figment of, I mean, he's he's just a parody of himself. He, all those bits that we got about him, that's what he sounds like now, Al Gore. I mean, if the Democrats can, if that's the best they can do in 2004 is Gore, then uh, heaven help us. That's all I can tell you. Good luck to them. Okay, speaking of that bitch now, pre-ended for woman tape beating child. South Bend, Indiana, as we continue with our bedtime stories. A judge entered a not guilty plea to a felony child battery charge Monday for the woman caught on videotape repeatedly striking her four-year-old daughter in the rear 
of a sport utility vehicle. <laughs> huh. Repeatedly striking her four-year-old daughter in the rear of a sport utility vehicle. See how? See just one one little inflection there, one change of pace in the way you read it. This hearing from Madeline Gorman, too good, lasted about two minutes. She was ordered to return to court October 7th for a status status hearing. Earlier, Too Good's attorney, Stephen Rosen, said the not guilty plea is a formality until he can determine how to handle the case. The plea comes after Gorman Too Good admitted on CNN's American Morning that she had smacked and shaken her daughter Martha and pulled her hair. Too Good 25 said her daughter Martha had been acting up at Cole's department store in Mishawaka, where they were videotaped later, but she said there would be no excuse in the world why I did it. She said she was horrified and sick to my stomach and mortified when she saw the tape of her striking her child. I know I had Martha, and I know I pulled her hair, and I shouldn't have too good said, but she said her daughter was checked by two doctors, and she was fine. She was still alive. Indiana's Child Protective Services placed Martha with a foster family in St. Joseph County Unit. It could be determined if another member of the child's extended family could take care of her. As a condition of bail, too good will be allowed only supervised visits with Martha. She won't be able to visit her two sons, age five and six, without supervision, and the two boys will live with their father. Though her husband is supporting her, the couple will be willing to separate if that means he can get custody of Martha Too Good said Sunday in an interview with CNN. My hope is just to have Martha home, go to parenting classes, learn the right way to deal with it, Too Good said. I just want my life. Too Good says she comes from a community called Irish Travelers, which is known for the itinerant lifestyles of its members. She said her husband is licensed to do paving work. Oh, just like you told me the other day. Yes. About paving the uh, uh, right. driveways. Right. And like after the first good rain, it uh, all kind of like... Yes, floats away. Not really tar. <laughs> oh. Her husband is known as a license to a pave, to paving work, and the family moves around the country and takes odd jobs. She indicated that Irish travelers often feel discriminated against, and that's why I was nervous in the department store. She said, "Hey, guess what, honey? There's no potato famine anymore. Go over to go to McDonald's. They got some great fries, lower in fat, pretty soon." Prosecutor Maggie Jones said Sunday she was not moved by Too Good's entreaties that the girl be allowed to stay with her other family members. My sympathies do not go to Madeline at all, Jones said. These are the same family members who, after they witnessed the beating on videotape, refused to bring the child forward for medical assessment or medical treatment. Jones said that the doctor's clean bill of health does not mean the girl was not abused. Bruises could have been healed in the eight days the girl was gone, she said. Too Good herself uh, turned herself in rather, rather than Saturday. Say it again. Tuga turned herself in Saturday to the Michigan Police Department nine days after the store surveillance camera recorded her apparently slapping and punching her daughter. Tuga said her daughter never had a mark on her, but she said she had a message for other parents. Don't raise your hand to a child. It ain't worth it, she in said. In front of a camera. Especially if a camera's watching, which is why, of course, she kept looking around before she started doing it, just to make sure nobody was watching. Surprise, sweetheart. Surprise. It's candid camera. Even though he's dead. What's his name? Alan Funt. Alan Funt. What would you say? Funt. Funt. Alan Funt. He's still dead. That was a good show in its time. It was okay. Sure. I bet your Boca Brian liked it a lot. Especially when they used to have on Hermione Gingold and Hans Conrad. Oh, that was a different <laughs> show. That was Pantomime Quiz. 19 till 11 at 560 WQM. If you're looking in the mirror and you think, hey, that's Boca Brian's head on there. There's a big bald spot. Or maybe you think you look a little like Moe. Well, forget about those pasty-looking, smelly wigs. Here's the answer for you. The natural hairline system for our good, close, personal buddy, Charles Alfieri. Charlie's been helping the famous and the infamous look their best for over 25 years, and you probably haven't ever noticed his work because it doesn't look like a piece. I mean, you can, you when like that Aaron Brown on CNN, that's a piece. Sam Donaldson on there on CNN, that's a piece. Bad one. Bob Eisenberg in our sales department with that muskrat on his head, that's a piece. But if it's the natural hairline system, you would notice because the hair looks like it's growing out of your scalp. 
So if you guys want to cover up that bald spot, but in the same time, look younger and better instead of silly. Here's the answer for you, and it's affordable, too. When you call Charles Alfieri, mention Neil Rogers, and lock $200 extra off the price of that natural hairline system. And Charlie also services and repairs all other kinds of hair systems, too, while you wait for only 25 to 30 bucks. And everybody who gets the natural hairline system gets Charlie's 30-day guarantee. If you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, you know, I always talk about that smells part until I met Mo, you know, and then I realized how that cashmere bouquet really stinks up a hairpiece. If you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, you can re- uh, return it for a full refund. Say, hey, Charlie, here's your hair back. Give me my money back. No problem at all. Make the call today, and you can look a hell of a lot better and younger in no time at all. Call 1-800-321-2413. 1-800-321-2413, or log on to charlesalfieri.com. Rogers got La cucaracha, la cucaracha. Oh, hey, señorita, don't walk by. La cucaracha, shake your maracas. And then let me give them a try. Oh, ay, 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 ay. How I love guacamole. I took a siesta, and when I woke up in the sofa, there was a bird holy. Don't go there. 1046 at 560. Now, why did you fax me that that I just uh, Schmidt canned immediately? Oh, well, you know. No, I don't know. Why did you fax me that same squiggly little handwriting? It's always the same crap that I read about two words of it and say I Schmidt can it. I don't know. I'm slipping. You you are slipping. I think it's under the pressure of those crappy summer ratings. Anyway, getting back to... um. And I don't read them, whoever the hell you are, you uh, misfit, you turd out there. I don't read any of the crap, so continue writing it. little quizzling. Simpleton. New York Post, Andrea Pizer writes today, Too bad, too good, you're a lousy excuse for a parent. Mother of the year, Madeline Toogood, has three small children, four driver's licenses, and two names to choose from, depending upon the state in which she parks her trailer. But Mommy Dearest has not one permanent address. The country now is as familiar with Toogood's parenting skills as it is with the danger of Hurricane Isidore. This past weekend, the savage in blue jeans was all over TV, furiously whacking her small daughter about the head, a scene caught on surveillance tape. As horrifying as it was to watch, I could not look away. She had to be stopped. By the time Too Good surrendered to authority Saturday, after running to two states and dyeing her hair brown, she'd morphed into the most despised human the side of Saddam Hussein. She also presented a self-serving story. Too Good says her child Martha made her angry by wandering off in a store, forcing management to page her twice. What kind of a mother lets a four-year-old out of her sight? This train wreck of a mom is one of these so-called Irish travelers, nomadic misfits of which I'd never had before heard. Travelers wander with the seasons looking for work and home repair. Previously, they drew the attention of authorities only for scamming customers. Too Good is charged in Texas with skipping out on a traffic ticket and stealing goods from a department store. About the beating she inflicted on Martha, she told an interviewer, I shouldn't have done it. I, no, I shouldn't have did it. You know, it's interesting. Every time they quote here, they, they quote her exactly the way she says it. Yes. The illiterate, uh, I shouldn't have did it. And don't raise your hand to a child that ain't worth it. Ain't it the truth, asked Andrea. The truth is that Too Good's appalling attitude toward child rearing is not so different from the thinking of many who see children as personal property to be raised as they see fit. Little Martha Too Good is now in the care of strangers while her brothers ages five and six are with relatives. I feel for a child ripped from her parents, but this travesty of a family can't continue. By foisting a bizarre authority-shunning way of life on kids, the travelers put them in danger. Too good and her kind should be kept miles from children unless they agree to settle down in a place where they can be watched. Until then, I thank God for videotape. Says Andrea Pizer, today's New York Post. Oh! Andrea usually writes some stuff that makes a lot of sense. Nice going, sweetheart. 
195 votes in our poll about Madeline, about that uh, too bad, too good. Burn the bloody bitch at the stake on national TV. 68 people said that, including us. Burn that bitch. Probation only, 38. Probation and loss of custody of her children's 36. A year in jail, 22. No punishment. Spare the rod and spoil the child, 16. Spare your rod. And three years in jail, 15. Out of about 200 votes. Now, there's a thing in the National Post this morning. I was going to say this for later, but I think, you know, now's the time for this bedtime story. Child's beating shines light on Irish gypsies, which I had also got to confess. I mean, gypsies we've talked about, and George has always told me off the air about gypsies, this and gypsies. Because the only gypsies I'm really familiar with are the gypsies in Europe. Well, just pretend that they're here, because they are. No, thanks. Like the ones in Rome that stole my credit card uh, thing that time, my credit card wallet right out of my pocket. Right. Pretend they live across the canal from you. The ones in Rome that are like uh, got their little kids chasing you around and they're holding the placards up in the air while Mama Sita is like pulling That's your them. wallet Guess and everything what? else. They're yeah. here doing that here. Are they doing that here with like the uh, with the cardboard to they, distract they, you? Well, they have 101 different scams. And by then they're so deft at it, they're so clever at it that by the time they get done, you're lucky if you have any pants on. You're lucky if you have one stitch of clothing left on your body. It's incredible. Child's beating shines light on Irish gypsies, writes Michael Francolanti, Chris, whatever his name is, some uh, greaser, in today's the National Post. After putting her four-year-old daughter into the back of the family SUV, Madeline Gorman Tuga took a quick look around the parking lot just to make sure nobody was watching. But despite her best effort to conceal what she was about to do, nearly everyone on the television has seen what happened that afternoon outside an Indiana department store where a surveillance camera captured Mrs. Tugood shaking and slapping her daughter Martha in a violent fit of rage. Yeah, we've seen it a few thousand times. Even Mrs. Tugood, who later saw the clip on CNN, admitted she had acted like a monster. Yesterday, the lawyer representing the 25-year-old mother of three said his client will likely plead guilty to a charge of child battery and throw herself on the mercy of the court. But although the contents of the clip are hard to refute, at one point Mrs. Tugood stopped to take a rest before continuing with her beating. Some observers believe the mother's decision to plead guilty has little to do with the infamous tape. The Tugoods are members of a, brand of, a band of Texas-based Irish travelers a group of nomads who move across the country in search of temporary jobs and quick paychecks. That's paychecks with a Q-U-E-S. Okay. The community police say includes a large number of con artists and petty criminals who spend their lives avoiding public attention. But with Mrs. Tugood in the spotlight, laying low has become nearly impossible. They don't like the attention from the media, said Dirk Moore of the National Association of Bunko Investigators, an organization dedicated to apprehending transient criminals. Bunko. They don't like to be in the public eye, he says. Mr. Moore, like other law enforcement officials who track Irish travelers, stressed that most members are not criminals, but because the legitimate members sometimes cover up for the criminal element, it's difficult to differentiate between the two. It's a close-knit family group, Mr. Moore said. Outsiders are not allowed in. Kind of like the mafia, I guess. Right. Irish travelers are descendants of an ethnic group called the Irish Tinkers, who came to the United States during the 1800s to escape the potato famine. Hey, you can go to Wendy's. They've got some great potatoes, sour cream, chives, baked. Since then, generations of travelers have roamed the country in search of itinerant work. Today, most make their way across the country in trailer homes, living for short stints in RV parks and motels while seeking out odd jobs that tend to involve painting, paving, and roofing. I wonder if that guy who comes every year and paves my uh, driveways, do you think he's a traveler? I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. Why does he have to do it every year? Because it needs to be done every year. Mine doesn't. Well, mine does, and he does a good job. Don't be knocking my uh, paving guy, okay? Okay. He might be listening right now for all you know. Might come and get your little greasy ass. Got a radio in his trailer? 
I'll bet you he does. In his, his van, he drives a van. Police, however, say some Irish travelers prey on the elderly, conning them into paying thousands of dollars for unnecessary work or jobs that never get finished. Mike Haynes, a retired Dallas police detective who spent most of his career tracking travelers, said in one case he investigated, an 85-year-old woman woke up to three men hammering away on her roof. When she went to see what was going on, the men told her she had called them the week before and asked them to fix the shingles. Detective Haynes said the men would not leave until she handed over $13,000 for the work they'd already done. Work in quotes. In another case, Detective Haynes said a group of Irish travelers repaired a roof for a 95-year-old blind woman who lived in a house that resembled a shack. They charged her $65,000 for the job. The house wasn't worth the, what the roof cost, he said. Mrs. Toogood's clan of Irish gypsies, known as the Greenhorn Carols. Did you know that? Nope. You do now. Mrs. Toogood's clan of Irish gypsies, known as the Greenhorn Carols, are based in Texas and are well known to police, Detective Haynes said. Mrs. Toogood was wanted on two other warrants before being charged with child battery. Authorities in Texas said she did not pay a $202 traffic ticket she received in April and failed to appear in court to face unrelated theft charges. The culture is very secretive, said Joe Livingston, a senior agent with the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division who's investigated travelers for 18 years. They just tend to stay on the move and on the lam. Now, didn't you say that a lot of them are in South Carolina? That's their main enclave, the largest concentration of them in the United States. But for Mrs. Toogood, staying on the land was impossible this time. On September 13th, the young mother reportedly tried to return some items at Cole's department store in Michigan, Indiana, but the clerk refused. According to Don Wright, author of the 1996 book Scam, some Irish travelers make money by shoplifting and returning the stolen items for a refund, which is exactly what little George told us yesterday. Yep. A typical Irish traveler woman or team of women, there are usually two of them operating as a team, will generate about $2,000 a day in revenues that way. $2,000 a day tax-free, that sounds like $700-and-some-thousand dollars a year to me. See ya. Tax-free. Mrs. Tugan's lawyer says she was upset because Martha was misbehaving in the store, opening toys and wandering away. Whatever the reason, Mrs. Tugan was extremely angry when she left the store. That anger culminated in a 25-second beating that shocked even the most hardened social workers. Nearly a week later, local police out of Leeds and worried that the girl in the Toyota Sequoia was badly hurt, released the video in the hope it would generate some leads. That's an expensive on... car. I wonder where they stole that. On Saturday, well, of course, if you're making 700000 a year tax-free, you can buy whatever kind of car you want. cash for it. Cash. Yeah. On Saturday, overwhelmed by the public backlash against her, Mrs. Tugan hired a lawyer and turned herself in. <clears throat> she even appeared on some talk shows, reiterating the fact that although she hit her daughter in the back and pulled her hair, she didn't punch her. My children ain't abused, said Mrs. Toogood. <laughs> Remains free on $5,000 bail. They ain't battered. They ain't abused and they ain't battered. Just and remember, that ain't all bad. Don't forget, English is her second language. But yesterday, after dozens of cameras followed her in and out of the court, the young mother refused to talk. Her lawyer said she's concentrating on the fight to have her daughter, who's currently in foster care, handed back to her family. Detective Haynes, however, believes Mrs. Toogood, like the rest of her community, just wants the whole spectacle to go away. They figure out of sight, out of mind. Mr. Wright said that when some Irish travelers who have been based in the southern U.S. began moving to Canada about a decade ago, they quickly realized Canadians were not familiar with their scams. They were really successful in Ontario, and then they spread out to the rest of the country. Since then, they've gone all the way to Alaska, like Johnny Horton would say, north to Alaska. Remember that? Great song. Yep. North to Alaska. Good old Johnny Horton. Is he still dead? Yeah. Still dead. Damn it. See, there's a guy we should have put on ice, Johnny Horton, not Ted Williams. Who the hell needs Ted Williams? He had a—he was a sourpuss, you know. Used to used to shoot pigeons with BBs at Fenway Park and brag about it. Although you know something, I'm looking out on my balcony right now. I think old Ted had a point. He had a good head on his shoulders. 10:56 at 5:60. WQM. We got uh, Jim Mannish coming up from Shula Steak Two at one o'clock.
Hank Goldberg at three. The Humper's back. Thank God. <laughs> the man who's saving the summer book for us with Patrick Sertain between five and six. That should do it. Marlins on deck. It's almost over. Marlins on deck, 630. Marlins at the Spose, 705. Should have a gigantic tune-in audience for that. Eddie Kay after that aborted baseball game. And the Dirty Goyam overnight, Joe and Mark. Why do I always say Goyam? I don't know. Why? Only one of them is. If your carpets look like crap and maybe don't smell too good either, here's the answer for you. Dry Concepts. Pick up the phone and call one of these numbers very, very soon. And in no time at all, the people at Dry Concepts, the experts, will have your carpets looking just like brand new, no matter how hopeless they look, feel, and smell right now. In Broward, 954-370-7778. In Dater, Palm Beach, it's toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. They show up exactly on time. They give you a written guaranteed price before they start the job. And when they finish, your carpets dry in a couple of hours. They smell any fresh, look just like brand new, and you'll have a gigantic smile on your puss. It's guaranteed. I've been using them for over 20 years in my home. And like I always tell you, everybody I know that's got any smarts at all, they give these people a try, and they're like always very, very ecstatic, and they'll never use anybody else again. And once you call them, you'll never do it either. They also do, besides cleaning your carpets and making them look just brand new, a stupendous, unbeatable job of furniture cleaning and drapery cleaning and spot dyeing. Fiber protection, carpet repairs, implant oriental rug service, second to none. Deodorization, and if a flood hits your house, complete water damage restoration, too. If you want a guaranteed, stupendous job at a guaranteed, fantastically reasonable price, these are the folks to call. Dry Concepts. In Broward, here's that number again, 954-370-7778. In Date or Palm Beach, toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Clean today, entertain tonight with Dry Concepts. Live and local. Sports Radio 560 QA. Hi, this is Billy Mays for Orange Clean. What are you doing in my house? I'm here to get the stain off your shirt. I don't have a stain on my shirt. What? Oh, my God. What? oh God, what is that? That's doggy do. Why'd you put it on my shirt? Let's get that off. You're taking my shirt off? You just dump the shirt right into Orange Clean. Uh, it's not coming out. Ooh, that's never happened. Oh, come on, get, get out of my house. Let me get those pesky nose hairs out with the gopher, what? the amazing reacher. Is that for nose hair? No, no, but you can use it for nose hair. Oh, 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 oh. Tommy, what is going on here? Dad, I, I have no idea. I'm oh. Billy Mays. Oh, really? I had your rookie card. It's worth a fortune. No, no, Billy Mays. I'm fat and I'm white and I have a beard. Oh, well, then I don't know who you are. What are you doing here in my house? I'm here to get that dent out of your car. There's no dent in my car. Oh, why'd you put the dent in my car? Watch this. The amazing Ding King removes that dent. It's still there. No, you can't see it. I can see it. No, there's a dent there. No, there's no dent. Yeah, there's a dent. There's going to be a dent in your cranium. This is Billy Mays for the amazing foot repair kit. There's nothing wrong with my foot. You got to fix my... Ow! What did you drop down my foot? Tired of foot pain? Yes, I am. Put this cream on. Yeah. Oh. How's that feel? Feels no freaking different at all. Just give it a minute. Yeah, this is Billy Mays with amazing products. Oh, get him out of here. If he is one of the most disgusting, annoying people on the face of the globe, you know what? Who? Billy Mays. You've never seen those infomercials? No. You've never seen him? Nope. What about Carlos? You've seen him? Oh, yeah. I watch all the infomercials. No, Some seriously. Shows. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Hi, I'm Billy Mays, for, and Orange Clean is one of the ones he does. That, and, you know, they're going to send you 8,700 bottles of this uh, orange peel crap, and pretty soon your whole body is going to smell like a walking orange, you know? That is annoying. That OxyClean stuff that he, that he sells is pretty good. 
Oh, I'm not saying it's not good. I have no idea because I would never buy anything from an infomercial again after getting burned a couple of times. I bought one of those juicers from the Juicy Man. Yeah. Anybody want it? It's sitting in a closet somewhere in my house. Does it work? It worked the first time until it got broken. <laughs> like I said, it worked about a half the first time until it broke itself. And then, of course, there's always Ron Popeil and our spaghetti-making machine, our pasta machine. <laughs> yeah. Remember that thing? Finally, about, to throw that away because it was taking up space. About 40 cents worth of plastic. Oh, the machine. The See, like I told you, everything with Ron Popeil, he calls a machine. I, I will say his rotisserie thing, and you notice they keep on plugging it because it's the first decent thing he's ever made in his life. Yeah, making more money than God. You know, I was just thinking here during the break, and the reason that I came back kind of awkward there was because I was on the phone with my uh, money guy buying stock. Not, <laughs> I was just I was just checking to make sure we know where my money is because uh, he tends to be a little, little little like that. Good guy, but a little. So anyway, I was on the phone with him on my cell phone somewhere. But I was thinking during that break that our engineering department and our sales department have so much in common, and maybe it's because it's QAM. You ever stop and think about that? Yeah. Yeah. They have something in common, and that is they don't give a crap. They're inept, and they don't give a crap. Like the thing with the phones again. Oh, look at this. We got the phone. The dots are up again, and we have to go through another embarrassing, which you have to make a big joke out of it and make a whole shtick and a bit out of it because they can't get anything to work with this goddamn deal. The amazing part of it is when we first started doing shows from up here, the phone worked fine. Remember that? Uh, yeah, of course. I had a little bit of trouble. I mean, the equalization was a little bit off. I had a little trouble hearing. I bought the headphones. That was but a little tweaky. the phone worked. It worked okay. But now, but we are, but we're going backward. We're regressing. Just like this business with Sunday nights. Every Monday morning I come in here, there's no audio feed. Every stinking Monday morning during football season, you, you could bet your life on it. In fact, I'll bet Greg's life on it right now. Okay? Then I'll come in here next Monday morning. There'll be no audio feed coming from down there, from QAM. Because there's just, nobody gives a crap. See, I'm in a very dangerous situation right now. I think it's because I took a couple of calls this morning. I'm starting to actually care again about stuff, and I shouldn't be doing that. That's a very oh, bad thing. Yeah. If you're going to be a QAM, you have to stop doing that. That's the first rule. Carlos, I want you to learn that right now, especially since you're on a payroll for like 48 cents an hour net, is don't give a crap. Don't start being conscientious. Don't care about doing a good job. Don't care. Like, like this morning, we didn't get on the air. I couldn't hear what was going on the last minute there. Forget about it. Don't care about it. See what I'm saying? I'll do my best. You care? No. Excellent. See, there's a quick learner for you, a quick study. You don't give a crap. And by the way, Carlos, you're fired. No, no, seriously, he doesn't give a crap, and that's the way you should do it. Well, it's because people that try to be conscientious, you're just banging your head against the wall. It's schlock. It's radio schlock. And we're making all of this money. we got spots up the old all right. ass. Wreck them. And so why the hell should they care? Show is sold out. George, you know, maintains those marginal numbers in the summertime, hangs on by his toenails. I think that's pretty amusing, the fact. <laughs> of course, keep in mind now that's men 18 plus not. Right. 25, 25 to 54. 54. We can't get that breakdown on just the trends. Now, in another, another three and a half weeks or so, when the whole summer book comes out, then, then, mm -hmm. we're going to find out when push comes to shove. And see if I one number two. See enough, uh, I'm back there. See, you, you keep saying that, you know, you're, you are the worst rationalizer I've ever seen in my life. First of all, this is a guy who says to me two years ago, or no, it was last year, last summer, I come back. And he says, oh, you know, Arbitron's got this problem. They can't find our audience in the summertime. And then when you come back, they overcompensate and they goose your numbers up. I mean, what kind of a person that's says something exactly like that? That's what I said. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty damn close to what you said. 
They the numbers have always dipped. They summer, overcompensate no when Neil comes back. So in other words, not the audience is coming back. Not you can actually see the graph you on our website, like on the before. hits on our website every day. If you want to stop being in denial, you can go on or you got it right there in front of you. You can check the stats. No, I don't. On the web. Huh? I have. It's a graph. It's a chart. Right. It's, an, it's not a complete accurate thing, no, there's no but it's an indication of how many people are listening no out there. Question. George, you don't have to take it personally. I don't. There's Just because no not everybody wants to talk about licking fecal matter with their tongue, not everybody wants to hear about that every day. Once a week might be okay, all right? But a steady diet of that can lead not only to physical deterioration, but also to you know, mental deterioration as well. So quit doing it, or at least talking about it. I mean, you want, can lick all you want. You can lick ass. Rectum. All you like. And then you'll start saying, doi, 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 doi. then you won't have any numbers when you start saying that. Look what happened to him. I'm getting a headache from this show today. And it's I all, already, I've had a headache. All, it's all my own mistake from, from that experiment with the phone. I took the pull yesterday. If I, if, I, if I was a quick study like Carlos, I would learn immediately the message is they're very satisfied with the show the way it is right now. And you want to know why? Why? Because everybody who voted on that poll yesterday, we had almost we had over a thousand votes. By the time I goosed it up there at the end, we had over a thousand votes. Those people are all listening. Right. How do you like that? There's some shows in the market don't have a thousand people listening altogether. Forget about getting votes on a goddamn website, which most people can't vote anyway because AOL blows. Are we ever going to do anything about that? About AOL? No, no. About, about, that about the fact that most people can't vote on our poll every day. We'll get seventy-five, eighty thousand hits on there, and you know. Six, seven, eight hundred votes because most people can't vote. They click it on, they can see the result, but if they have AOL, most people can't vote. If there's anybody within a 75 block radius who already voted, it blocks them out. Right? Right. Well, that blows. And no, we're not going to do anything about that. AOL blows. Are we going to do anything about the audio? Did they ever settle that thing with the uh, talent, with the, um, not that they, we would know. I guess they never did, did they? Settle what thing? Oh, the, uh, the broadcast.com, that business? Yeah, they're about the commercial, uh, the people do the commercials wanting to get paid for having their uh, spots Last on the time Internet. I checked, we're still not running them. No, I, I'm not asking whether we're running them or not. No. I'm asking whether they settled it. I don't the fact know. that we're not running them just means that, you know, right. we're locked into being lazy. Don't know. Thank you. Okay, 10 past 11 at 560 WQM. I'm going home. Oh, that's right, I am home. <laughs> feel like that guilty thing. You know, I keep playing the guilty thing on that noon to one hour. I can't stop myself. There are just certain things that I feel compelled to play. The spirit of Christ compels me, like that Mickey Mouse thing. With uh, I'm, I'm sure the audience is tired of that. Not that i played it that many times. It's a long bit. But the Mickey Mouse thing with Eisner and with the bluebird on my shoulder and Uncle Remus, it's just, I, I'm sorry, I just can't help myself. It's kind of like, do, 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 do. it's like that. I just can't stop. And from the rumors I'm hearing around the building down there is everybody's going around the building all day long singing, yo, 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 let's rape Mo, which I think is very disrespectful when you come right down to it. Don't you? Both that a significant number of longer-range missiles were effectively concealed from the previous inspectors and remain, including up to 20 extended-range Scud missiles. Missiles. Don't you love the way he said that? Aren't you impressed? Missiles. I used to like that Tony Blair until I realized that Bush had naked pictures of him and a billy goat. Or maybe it was Prince Charles. It looked like a billy goat. Anyway, it's 11 past 11. I guess I'll do the break. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so out of sync since we took those calls and since that whole... Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm burned out on technical experiments that don't work on this mother effing radio station. You know what I'm talking about? Everything has to be a big song to dance. It's not that complicated. We had it working here before. We had the phone working from Amsterdam, for Christ's sake. I couldn't hear a goddamn thing, but it worked once upon a time. Remember that? Oh, yeah. 
And then evidently a whole bunch of things got changed around down there. But don't bother telling us about it because you know that Neil, he changes his mind all the time. But let's blame this on Muff because Muff was the one who was insistent on it. In addition to which, remember last week Muff sends me that note about after the show, could I stick around and talk to uh, Mini Bob, George Corso, a.k.a. Mini Bob, our uh, junior engineer there? And I was going to, like, uh, redo this thing on it. That would have been some experiment. Remember that? Get yeah. off your duff. Yeah. I mean, here's a great engineer that comes in here yesterday, wasted a half hour of his life on the phone with this guy, and still couldn't get it straightened out because the problem wasn't on this end. And he's refiguring this and putting in numbers that haven't been invented. I could never have done that. I could never even crawled on the floor here and stuck the goddamn keyboard back in a computer. Because I just don't know where to stick it. You know what I'm saying? Stick it up your ass. Yeah. Might as well. Twelve minutes. Oh, look at this. Iraq reacting to uh, uh, Tony Blair. That in mid-2001, there was a step change in the program. We advise Mr. Blair to pass on his dossier to Anmovic and the IAEA for proper assessment. And soon enough, the truth will come out. We had already invited... Mr. Blair, before he revealed his, his dossier, to send any number of British experts for the necessary du duration to assess on the ground the validity of his so-called evidence. ...this program, but they've only slowed its progress. <laughs> I love it. See, more than just bedtime stories, we got news in the making there. Tony Blair is debating this Iraqi scumbag. 1113 at 560 WQM. We want to get a new mattress. Do it the smart way, like I've been instructing you folks for the last several years now. And some of you got wise. A lot of you got wise, evidently, because they love me at Dial a Mattress. That, isn't that what the fat boy always says when I ask him about a new copy? Oh, they love you. They love you. They get great response. They love it. That's always the cop out from our sales department. Then he writes up a bunch of stuff about, I can't wait to get back to South Florida so I can sleep on my regular Dial a Mattress. Forget about it. Just forget about them. Forget about them. Forget about the engineers. Let's just enjoy life, okay? Like the humper always says, <laughs> life is sweet. Just forget about it. Isn't that what Mo always says, too? Do, 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 do. Just forget about it. So if you want to get a brand-new name brand mattress, unbeatable price, and tremendous delivery service, the likes of which you've almost never heard of in your life before, then Dollar Mattress are the people you want to do business with. Just call 1-800-MATTRESS. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Talk it over with the bedding expert. They'll hook you up with exactly the brand name and the kind of mattress you're looking for, the size, the firmness, etc. And they got the best in the world. They got Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, only top brand name mattresses, no crap. And they deliver it to you when you want, when you're going to be home. Any uh, day of the week, seven days a week, any two-hour window that's convenient for you. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort trial to try it out the real way by sleeping on it and doing your thing. So be smart this time. Call Dollar Mattress right now. You'll thank me in the long run. Call 1-800-MATTRESS like I always do. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Or check them out on the web if you prefer at mattress.com. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. U-A-N-U-A-N. Mr. Mary Catherine. Jesus. Do 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 do. 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 Do
I am old Howard Taylor, decrepit and I'm ancient. All over my old face are blue and reddish, boy, full face. I don't know why they hate me, or why they always rape me. It must be cause I got this blue and reddish, boy, full face. A vein pop on my arm like a Ray McNally map of Lockerwatt. I got veins on my nose, nobody knows that under my clothes I wear pantyhose. But that don't mean that I'm gay. If you think my arms are bad, you ought to see my legs. I might as well keep them smooth and shaved to show a little class the next time I'm raping it. I could go to a surgeon, but that gives me the shivers. I would not want to walk out looking like Joan Rivers. Uh, where am I here? I fired the beast, the fat little freak. I did him a favor, now he can't afford to eat. The reason I dismissed that stinking fat bastard is because he wouldn't shut up, and he can't play canasta. Hey, somebody talking over there? Nobody talks when I rap. I rap, then you talk. Hey, look at me. I'm hip, hip. I ain't no square. I'm a ding-dong Betty, man. I'm really dead. I fire anyone I want. I don't care. Especially if they make me flip my wig made of smelly green hair. I got fired myself. It even happens to the greats. Westwood once said, you get out of here or else we break your legs. So now I sit by the pool. Life's as good as it gets. With my paladin cocktail, placing bets on the jets. In paradise. Paradise. I don't kiss nobody's ass in paradise. I'll be slipping down the spookins when I get the chance. But the cleaners aren't ready with my lime green pants. How long does it take? Kelly call and complain. It was just a little thought. So what I left this day? Yeah. Think that's funny? Want a knuckle sandwich, buddy? I can do what I want, because the management loves me. Can I tell you something, Mo? Something you ought to know. For the longest time, I wanted you to be my hoe. You ain't my type, pal. Now answer me. Hell no. What are, you, what are you doing? I'll take no for an answer. Get out of here. Not you. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Eleven twenty at five sixty WQAM. Happy Tuesday to you. Or like Bruce Williams would say, Happy Tuesday to you. One of the great broadcasters of all time. <laughs> Not. Hey, Mike Webster died. You just faxed me this. Yeah. Who? Hall of Fame center helped the Steelers win four Super Bowls. Died today at the age of fifty. He died at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh of a heart attack. Was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in January of 1997. Uh, inducted seven months later, July 26th. How do you like that? Born in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, March 1852. Went on to be an all-ten big center for the Badgers before being drafted by the Steelers. Playing more seasons, 15 and more games, 220 than any other player in Pittsburgh history. Even more than Franco Harris. How do you like them apples, huh? Mike Webster is dead. Shocking. Kind of young. 50. Heart attack. You know, there are a lot of jocks who like, well, I don't want to go into it. And they just, uh, they die. 254 votes in our poll, and a lot of you people would like to see old uh, Tomahawk Tomagood there die. Too good, whatever the hell her name is, that bitch. The child whipping bitch. What should be the punishment for Madeline Gorman? Too good. I can't even say that. I don't, I just, my tongue doesn't want to blurt that out. Too good. Too bad to be true. The woman caught on tape beating her four little, uh, four-year-old little girl. That Indiana, that, uh, tinker, tinkerer. Burn the bitch at the stake on national TV. Ninety people, thirty-five and a half percent say burn the bitch. Oh! Yeah. You're right, I should, I should, might as well make use of that because it has so little other use that uh, Hopkins drop in. What do we do with people like her? Burn the bloody bitches. There you go. <laughs> nice going, Tom. How's he doing, by the way? We ever hear from him again? Not lately. Here's a guy, I, my hat's off to him, a great news guy, a good guy, and he just finally got out of the business. He took off and he went to, like, South America or somewhere, said, screw all of this. You know, good for you, Tom. Hope he's doing well. 
Maybe he's in Costa Rica. Maybe he's hanging out with the, the bug man, you know. Oh, and speaking of the bug man, we got no more ants. Thanks, Steve. Don't call us. We'll call you. You know what I mean? What do you mean? I mean, Steve the bug man did a good job, but we don't oh, want to talk to him. He does a great him. job. He talks because a little slow. Because he's, he's strange. He's a little bit strange. Maybe all bug people are strange. You know what? I don't know. Maybe it's the pison. Probation only for the bitch, 50. Probation and loss of custody of her children, 45. Uh, one year in jail, 29. Three years in jail, 24. No punishment. Spare the rod and spoil the child, 21. 21 of you lunatics out there. And I know we'd get some votes on that. It's not just a crank vote. There's a lot of people out there that, that think that a parent ought to be able to just beat the crap out of the kid. It's one thing to give the kid a smack, you know what I'm saying? But to just beat the bloody crap out of a four-year-old little girl and to be banging on her and whipping on her like some kind of a little goddamn dog, like a minpin. Maybe they got a point, you know? Well, maybe the little girl just didn't get the uh, stuff she was supposed to get so they could return it and get the money for it. Right. Maybe she missed out on her assignment. Broward election chief, spe speaking of missing out, mi missing out on your assignment, Broward election chief signs away power in the wake of botched election. This is hysterical. Broward County election supervisor Miriam Elephant ceded virtually all control over her orifice and local elections in a contract she signed yesterday in response to criticism that she bungled the September 10th primary. You blew it, Miriam, okay? You blew it. All election responsibilities and all personnel and budget decisions will now be the responsibility of a professional administrator that state and local political leaders urged her to hire, Joe Cotter. Remember him? He used to play for the exit for the uh, Blue Jays. No. Cotter had run the office's day-to-day -day operations under Elephant's predecessor, but left in January. Cotter's employment contract leaves Elephant as little more than a figurehead for the remainder of her first term in office. It runs through November 2004, after the next presidential election, oy vey, and after Elephant will have to stand for re-election. Her only direct duties will be to hire an administrative assistant, choose the office's lawyer, and dole out voter outreach money. If she interferes with Cotter, he can quit and collect his annual salary of $105,000. So all we can say is, welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> the extraordinary deal aims to keep Elephant and Cotter from sniping at each other publicly. If Elephant makes any derogatory remarks, Cotter's entitled to a severance package. Cotter could lose his job if he says anything negative about Ms. Elephant. The contract with Cotter is part of the steps Elephant agreed to take last week rather than face the prospect of being removed from orifice for misconduct because of the widespread election problems. In addition, county administrators will manage the polls on November 5 as a personal birthday present to me. Elephant makes 122 grand a year as supervisor, and her spokesman said he didn't know how she'd cover uh, Cotter's new salary. She has a payroll of some three million dollars, with 14 employees making more than 50 grand a year. Another employee, Walter Foman, is listed as deputy supervisor and has a salary of 95,006, and there are four assistant supervisors making between 85 and 60 grand. Of course, if Walter serves on the jury, wouldn't he be the Foman? Elephant's lawyer, Robert Bushel. Every, every name in here has got like a, a bit waiting. You know what? Robert Bushell, I guess, that is, cast the contract as no different than Cotter's responsibilities before Jane Carroll retired as election supervisor in 2000. He said Elephant has legal authority to sign over the duties because she ultimately remains responsible under state law. And if she has the same botched-up result in the next election as she did in the last one, I tell you what, we're going to like uh, put her on TV, too. We'll make you a star, too, Miriam. Elephant. This is more of a relationship between Cotter and her than Cotter and the citizens of Broward County, Bushell said. The buck stops with her even though he has substantial authority. The September 11th election, as we all know, turned into a disaster as polls opened late and closed early. Voters received inaccurate, inaccurate registration information. Uncounted votes were found after initial tallies were sent to the state. 
Neither elephant nor Cotter could be reached for comment, of course, yesterday, but Cotter previously told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that he thought he could have the election system ready in time for November vote, given the help that's been offered. So we're hoping, okay, we got our fingers and legs crossed. Oh, and uh, by the way, what's his name? What's the bald-headed uh, James Carville on Crossfire last night, which I hate the show, but I saw about five minutes. Had some great things. He said uh, Governor Jeb Bush is the biggest fumbler-bumbler, the worst of any of the 50 states in the country. And the idea that he should be given another four years is so grotesque and unthinkable, unacceptable, that it almost defies words even from a lunatic like him. How do you like that, huh? The worst like fumbler-bumbler of them all. We got him! Oh! All right! As we continue being consistent. Maybe not good, but we're consistent. 26 after 11 at 560, like Tony Blair, we're consistent. The capability being developed, incidentally, is for multi-purpose use. Good. Hey, with your busy lifestyle, you need all the energy you can to feel healthy, and that's why we urge you to start popping oleomed. Start popping it. And the oleomed, too. Because it's good for you. It's got the best olive oil anywhere on the planet, pure olive oil in there, along with all kinds of other good stuff in those little soft gel capsules you just pop in your puss. There are vitamins in there, minerals in there, herbals in there. God only knows what's in there. And they have one product specifically designed to help your heart. One for your blood pressure, cholesterol, and prostate. One for your circulatory system. There's a product to help your digestive and endocrine system. Mind. All using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil and oleomed makes products for men. And separate ones for you ladies out there, too, designed for your various tories. Pick some up today. It's all over town. You'll find it at the Whole Food Markets. You'll find oleomed at Walgreens, of course, Sedano's, and Navarro Pharmacies. If you'd like to get more information about their sensational products and how they can help you in the way you feel, just call their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED. You can order their products online, too, if you like, at oleomedamerica.com. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking with just a little flight information. Coming up on the left, we're going to be catching a glimpse of the Grand Canyon. On the right, you can be able to see the Hoover Dam in just a few minutes. A couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra. That's a 357 caliber firearm with a black rubber grip and a 6-inch barrel. Co-pilot is carrying a Kimber Custom Defense pistol with all the bells and whistles you'd expect from a custom gun of that kind with an alloy frame and bevel treatment on the entire gun. Pilot's got a gun. Pilot's got a gun. It's a loaded one. Down to nothing dumb. Better blank it through. Eleven thirty-two at five sixty. WQM. Happy Tuesday to you. Get all this done, and we look forward to working with the members of Congress to get it done. Oh yeah, let's get it done, baby. Let's go over there and blow him. You know what he reminds me of? Sodom. Who? He's like Frankenstein's monster. That's what That's this whole right. thing reminds me of. And of course, it was uh, this is W's hero was Reagan, and of course, Daddy, Daddy Bush. And those. Are, why are they showing these uh, real cl tight close-ups? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, look at his veins. Yes. Why are they doing that? I think they're screwing up. Explain why he didn't put any information. Protect sources. Go ahead. 
Zoom in on his eyeball again. I beg your pardon? Let's zoom in on his eyeball again. That was bad. They were like the cameraman was uh, screwing up there, and he was like uh, close zooming in like they were going to show us a zit on his forehead or something. Hey, uh, even I feel bad for him, which is saying a lot. By the way, Joe, I got your facts. Thank you so much. Here's a guy that's uh, got diaries. You like that? Yeah. You we read that? A lot. We love Joe a lot, and he's right. The new radio does suck. And even listens to the news and IOD in the morning because morning radio is so bad. I guess he don't listen to our boy in the morning is what it sounds like. Do, 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 do. And, of course, who does? He likes Hank and Jim, he says, but as soon as I hear, who do you think the Finns will draft in 2007? Or what's the over and under on the unders and overs? I have to change the channel. And then, of course, it's the same crap songs over and over again on the FM, on Big Dick 106. So we thank you very much, especially for that last sentence there, Joe. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Thank you. We love, Don't we love Joe? A lot. A lot. Bomb threat stops train. You know this story? No. Well, it's another bedtime story from Uncle Neil. In fact, that's why Bill Cabrian is curled up on, uh, on his little couch, just like Mayor LaGuardia was reading stories on the uh, radio. A man allegedly made a bomb threat aboard an Amtrak train, forcing it to stop for more than two hours, an Amtrak spokeswoman said. The Chicago, Illinois, bound Capital Limited with 104 passengers and 15 crew members made the unscheduled stop Sunday. In McKeesport, Pennsylvania, this Pittsburgh suburb. Well, do you know McKeesport? No. Why not? Never been to Pittsburgh? Nope. Don't. It's okay. In this Pittsburgh suburb, while FBI officials and a bomb-sniffing dog searched the train for explosives, said Amtrak spokeswoman Karina Van Veen. None was found, FBI Special Agent Bill Crowley said. Raymond Lamont Smith, no relation to Dave Lamont, 27, allegedly told someone aboard the train he had a bomb, Crowley said. Police arrested Smith, who had an outstanding warrant in Georgia on an unrelated drug charge, Crowley said. Smith's last known address could not immediately be determined. Authorities were determining whether to file federal or local charges. Passengers and crew members were allowed to reboard the train and continue on to Chicago nearly four hours behind schedule because some scumbag says, I got una bomba. How do you like that? Piece of turd. Speaking of turd burgers, the Guardian, the British Guardian, a lot of the good stories come out of the British papers, okay? because they're not quite as uh, twisted around as a lot of our publications here. Soldier killed boy in cold blood, say British volunteers. This is in today's Guardian. A 13-year-old Palestinian boy was deliberately shot dead by an Israeli soldier without any provocation, say two British human rights volunteers who witnessed the incident. An Israeli army spokesman confirmed last night that an in inquiry had been launched. I was with three other international volunteers in a street on Nablus on Sunday with Baha Albash, who often tags along with us as one of the witnesses, who gave his first name as Al. There had been some stone-throwing. I hope his last name isn't Kaida. There had been some stone-throwing tank at tanks and armored personnel carriers, which enforced the curfew. It happens frequently, and our practice is to stand at the side to observe. We always make sure the Israelis can see us, and we don't stand with the kids as it can encourage them. He said the incident appeared to be over, and the people had dispersed, when an armored personnel carrier stopped nearby. I heard a single shot, and Baha was lying on the ground, his eyes glazed and blood starting to come out of his mouth. It was clear he had no chance. An ambulance came within two minutes, and he died in it. A high-velocity bullet had destroyed his left lung. Al, who declined to give his surname because of the problems he says volunteers face at the airport when they leave Israel, has been working in Nablus for about six weeks. This is the worst thing I've seen in my time here, he says. Actually, it's the worst thing I've seen in my life. There was no way Baha could have been a threat to a soldier 120 yards away with a flak jacket and a helmet sitting in an APC. He had nothing in his hands, and even if he had had a stone, couldn't have thrown it effectively from that distance. I went back today and measured the distance exactly. The shot was not a ricochet. As far as I'm concerned, these people are child killers. Whether or not they were aiming at the boy, there was no reason to shoot. Another of the four volunteers, Ewood Jesuits, 24 from London, said, 
An armored personnel carrier came and stopped on the left side of the street. A soldier popped up from inside us. Some with his rifle, he aimed at some kids on the street. There was no stone throwing or shooting going on at the time. She said that in a month spent with Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, she had often seen soldiers train gun sights on people without further incident. This time was different. This soldier fired. It wasn't accidental. The soldiers decided to kill him. An Israeli spokesman said the army was trying to uh, determine what happened. The first assessment was that an army patrol saw a child lighting a firebomb, which then set him on fire. But until we have better information, I can't comment, he said. A doctor at Rafidia Hospital in Nablus said the teenager was killed by a bullet, which entered through the shoulder and penetrated his chest. And, of course, on the heels of that, U.S. abstains in Security Council vote on Mideast Resolution. But I guess we're supposed to be uh, lauding the U.S. for not at least uh, vetoing it. The U.S. decided not to veto a Security Council resolution calling for Israel to withdraw from Palestinian cities, clearing the way for its passage early today and handing a diplomatic victory to the Palestinians. The resolution, which passed 14 to zip with America abstaining, was negotiated by the European Union and cobbled together with language from competing U.S. and Arab proposals. The resolution that we've adopted this evening was flawed in our view that it failed to explicitly condemn the terrorist groups and those who provide them with political cover, support, and safe haven in perpetuating conflict in the Middle East, Deputy U.S. Ambassador James Cunningham said. But the vote was a victory for the Palestinians and their Syrian backers on the 15-member Security Council. Arafat spokesman Nabil Abu Radina called the vote a step in the right direction. I believe this abstention from the United States is a clear criticism of Israel and its actions on the ground, and it reveals their dissatisfaction with Israel and its measures. Israeli UN Ambassador Yehuda Lankri said the U.S.'s abstention should be seen in light of Washington's desire to preserve good international relations ahead of possible military action against Iraq and, of course, to preserve that Jewish vote, any of that they might get in the November elections. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that, did I? Did I say that? I didn't hear anything. Okay. Oh, Blair outlines Iraq evidence. I don't think we need to do this story when we got... <laughs> it is clear... Both huh? a significant number. Yeah, I should play the little thing that before he says it is clear, I should play that little blurb that's on this tape. It's just a, a fluke is how it came out. Yeah. That, that's just how it came out. It's kind of like a little Three Stooges thing there before uh, Tony starts speaking. Where is he? It is clear. <laughs> he gets the it. seven dwarves, isn't it? In fact, it would have, wouldn't it have been something if right after uh, that little sound, Tony Blair would have started speaking and gone do, 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 do. like that. That would have been great. Well, we'll get to him in a second. We've got a lot of other uh, bedtime stories for you here. And, of course, we've got Jim Mandage coming up from Shula State 2 at 1 this afternoon. The highly rated Hank Goldberg <laughs> will bail us out. Thank you, Hopper. He picked us up with his big fat suspenders and yanked this station right up by his bootstraps. Nice going. Thank God for the Humper during those horrible summer months when George is chasing the audience away with those grotesque ass stories. And, of course, Mo, he just, he just chased them away, period, and they ain't coming back. Is what it looks like to me. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think so. In fact, well, we did a little research this morning. We looked through some of the old books of the, the worst team, which never had any gigantic numbers. But, you know, they uh, they were like mediocre at best. But nevertheless, Mo, I think, may be setting new lows before he's done with. How low? In fact, that's the question people are asking all around the market now, around the radio market, now that this new trend just came out yesterday. How low can Mo go? Do, 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 do. That seems to be the question. And I don't think anybody's uh, got the answer yet. I don't think we've... You know what they talk about, like on Wall Street, about retesting the lows? Yeah. I think that's what we're doing on the morning show. We're retesting the lows. From like back when John Moynihan was there and some of the other weak need sisters they had in the morning. 20 till noon at 560 WQM. If you have weak knees, you need good shoes. Does that make sense to you? Of course. Or if you're like Tom Welling and you got big feet, you need. What time is the show on tonight, Smallville? Eight or nine? Oh, let me check. How are you going to check? I got a thing here. 
Okay, you better look in your thing, because I forgot, and I apologize for that, because this is one thing I should definitely know. I can't afford to miss Smallville, and that's the end of me. That's the end of And, of course, this episode tonight is going to be so heavy-duty, man. we got that red pickup truck with Lana in it is flying through the air, and Clark has got to save her ass. And then in the meantime, we got the little spaceship is like hovering in midair there in suspended animation, like Larry King. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock tonight on WB, Smallville. Be there or be square, okay? Or like Dick Enver said, let's go down to be squared. Can you believe he said that? No. Lonnie Bernstein, let's go down to be squared. That frickin' Dick Enberg. Time to hang it up, Dick, okay? Once you get past the age of 100, time to say bye-bye, thanks a lot. Hey, I'll tell you a place where you'll say, hi, hi, I'm glad to see you. Hi, hi, and that's Brandy Shoes in Pompano Beach. Brandy's is a great place to shop because they treat you right. They know your feet inside and out. they got unbeatable selection, and they got all the top names. And on top of that, they have unbeatable everyday low prices, too. they got the top names, like I said, Rockports, which are some of the best in the world, SAS, Sperry's, Timberland Naturalizer, and lots more as well. So you can just about be guaranteed, whichever style you're looking for that suits your eye when you walk in there, they'll have your uh, size in stock. Even if you got gigantic big feet like Tom Welling or little teeny tiny feet like the Beast. Doesn't the Beast have small feet? I, I've never looked. I would think so. And, of course, when you weigh 600 pounds like the Beast, you can't afford to have small feet. It's bad for support. Anyway, Brandy's is open daily 9 to 9, every Sunday 10 to 5, and they're still going strong in that same great location. You've known them and loved them. In for years now, 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach. And the good news for you is the final summer clear-ons closeout blow. Even though it's not officially summer anymore, it's the fall. Forget about that. The closeout continues at Brandy's for a select group of famous brands up to 73% savings. Right now, it continues for a third week at Brandy's Shoes in Pompano Beach. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. Sonny Fox, I listen to Neil Rogers because I can hear the word asshole. Saddam Hussein's a motherfucker. Saddam Hussein's a motherfucker. Oh! Saddam Hussein's a motherfucker. Yes. Saddam Hussein's a motherfucker. Iraq's a crappy little country. Uh huh. Smells like the mustache on his face. Just get rid of that. You're a drinking chubby and blow up the whole goddamn place. Oh! Saddam Hussein's a outlines Iraq evidence. I'm not going to waste a lot of time with this because he had no one, nothing new. I saw his speech this morning. There was no smoking gun. His dossier that he released today, his 55-page report based on intelligence and U.N.'s inspector's reports, said Iraq's weapons of mass destruction program is active, detailed, and growing. The dossier claims Iraq has continued to produce chemical and biological agents, drawn up military plans for the use of chemical and biological weapons, tried to acquire from Africa material and technology for the production of nuclear weapons, Illegal, although we don't know whether they got it or not, illegally retained up to 20 Al-Hussein missiles with a range of 650 kilometers, which is uh, about 300 and some odd miles, capable of carrying chemical or biological warheads, begun developing ballistic missiles with a range of more than 1,000 kilometers, which is 600 miles, learned how to... Con learned, L-E-A-R-N-T. -E <laughs> well, it's from the BBC, okay? Learned how to conceal equipment and documentation from weapons inspectors. And not only that, both at a significant number of longer-range missiles were effectively concealed from the previous inspectors and remain, including up to 20 
extended-range Scud missiles, that in mid-2001, there was a step change in the program, and by this year, Iraq's development of weapons with a range of over 1,000 kilometers was well underway. How do you like that, huh? He's got those missiles, and he's a bad dude. And, of course, we got the genie out of the bottle. We created the Frankenstein monster. And now we got to, like, get rid of it. Get him before he gets us, is the message, right at election time. And you know something? Speaking of Eric and our website, yes, as marginal as it is, it could be a lot better. I mean, Eric does a great job for us, and he's a busy guy. But he, he makes more money depending on the more people go to our website and visit it. Right. NeilRogers.com, N-E-I-L-R-O-G-E-R-S, NeilRogers.com. I keep saying that so he'll make some more money so we can keep eating. But at any rate, it would, if there was more interesting stuff on there, I think a lot more people would go check it out. Like this book, Forbidden Truth, I'm astonished that there's nothing about that on there yet. Aren't you? Well, let's do it. Forbidden Truth by Jean-Charles Brissard and Guillaume Dasquet. And, of course, he has no idea how to pronounce that, but I guess he could probably look it up or we could send it to him, you know? Sure. Everybody, everybody ought to be reading this, except for, of course, the people that can't handle all these bedtime stories, the emotional cripples out there, of which there are many. Because we have people listening to the show that just want to hear, just want to hear that. That keeps them happy. Or maybe once in a while, one of those, or even a one of those really gets them going. Or that. And if that doesn't do it, some of the Rectum. people. Oh, and speaking of that, that Jehovah's Witness thing you faxed me is pretty interesting. I know. And the other thing that... about the traveler, it was uh, new information. That's why I, I got it right here when okay. you relax. I'm way ahead of you, man. Well, I'm doing a radio show over here. Redundant thing. I'm doing a show over here, okay? I read the part that's marked. Did you mark that? No. No, see, There's the person parts. that faster marked right. it because they knew that that's the part we didn't get to yet. And on the other so side. So just relax. Just calm down. You get a little, little uh, hyper today because your numbers suck this summer because, you know, a lot of people out there don't like when you're on. Well, guess what? You did okay. Not great, but you did okay. You're still number one. Not by much. Hanging on by a thread, by a teeny tiny curly hair that could have come from somebody's Rectum. or someplace else. But nevertheless, hey, number one is number one. You know what I'm saying? It's like winning a horse race. You don't have to win by five lengths. That's why this over and under crap is a bunch of baloney, see? That's why I never bet on football or any other sporting event. If, if i got to go to the track and my horse has to win by three lengths for me to cash, I don't think I want to bet. See what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, no, seriously, it, it's stupid is what it is. It's stupid. If I'm going to bet a football game, you know, the uh, Dolphins and the uh, Jets, whoever it is, you know, if I pick a team, that should be enough. Oh, but you got to cover the spread. See, once you start without covering the spread crap, that's adding like another wrinkle into it. It would be like saying, oh, you can win the lottery if you match all six numbers, but only if you have an order. <laughs> right? Right. And it's ridiculous. Oh, if you win at the track, you got to win by two and a half lengths in this race, or else you And how the hell do you measure two and a half lengths when you come right down to it? Very carefully, I guess. If you win by a nose, if you win by that same little hair I was just talking about, that's good enough. You cash. Winner, winner, winner. Randy Waples on the outside. I'll tell you one thing, but they got good racing here in uh, Toronto. Man, they handle a crap load of money here at the tracks here. And, of course, they also, you know what they also have at the uh, tracks in Ontario? I give up. Slots. Handy. That's one of the reasons so many people show up. They have slots, and they, they rake in a crap load of tax money for the province, eh? Taking a crap load of cash, and they got great racing, man. They got your uh, Chris Christopheru and Randy Waples and Mike Sattick and Tony Kerwood and uh, Steve Condren. Huh? I'm going to name them all before I'm done here today. How do you like that? Anyway, so getting back to the Irish nomadic group, 
the um, whatever this is. What, are, what do you call them? The tinkers, the travelers. The, the tinkers, the travelers, the tinkers, whatever you call them. I call them assholes is what I call them. Yeah, There's no artists. more potato. See, this business of hanging on, I, I, I'm sorry. It's just like the organized religion crap. Just because you were born into some kind of uh, dysfunctional whatever it was. You know, break out of it. When in doubt, break it out. Instead of like uh, spending the rest of your life being uh, limited by whatever you no, were brought up in their life, this is their angle, their racket. I understand, but they're oh, that's why I never thought about it that way. You're right. Why should they break out of it when this is an easy way to make a living? No a good scam. Seven hundred thousand plus a year tax free sounds like a pretty good scam. In fact, we probably got a lot of people out there who want to sign up. I guarantee you, right now, if we like gave the audience a choice and said, "Here's here's a place." In fact, that's a good idea, Eric. If you want to get more people on our website, put a place on there for them to sign up to be a, a tinker traveler, just a tinkerer. We got a lot of people tinker with our pool, so why the hell not have a bunch of tinkerers? They can make some cash doing it. You don't have to be Irish. You don't have to be Irish, although God loves the Irish, unless, of course, you're a tinkerer. Depends on what you're tinkering with, I guess. Anyway, getting back to the tinkerers, in Texas, they're called the Greenhorn Carols. That's what uh, this Too Good uh, family is. Right. The South Carolina travelers are known as the Georgia Boys. Uh-oh. You know what I always thought the Georgia Boys were? I give up. I thought it was the Beasleys. But I guess uh, they're in a different family tree, perhaps, with their little banjos. That's what Bob Vermouth told me that night. He got a little bit sly <laughs> at that Indonesian uh, Rastafal, whatever that thing is. Awful. Just horrible. Anyway, the South Carolina travelers are known as the Georgia Boys. The food in Amsterdam sucks, by the way, okay? The sex and the drugs are great. The food blows. In Memphis, they're known as the Mississippi Travelers. Speaking by telephone from Columbia, South Carolina, Mr. Livingston said the Irish travelers were devout Catholics and spoke their own language, known as Shelta or Cant, partly based on Gaelic. And, of course, when they said to her, they said, Stop beating your kid, honey. She said, Cant. <laughs> Isn't that what she said? I should not have not have done that. Turn yourself in, honey. Cant. The biggest single concentration of about 3,000 Irish travelers lives in the town... You were right, of Belvedere in South Carolina. Boy, you sure know your travelers, mister, I'll tell you that. I saw a documentary. You don't know your uh, radio programming, but you sure know your travelers. Belvedere, South Carolina, but travel around 80% of the time, Mr. Lemming. They, they get around. Belvedere is known as Murphy's Town after a father, Murphy, who helped him settle I wonder if he was kin to... Father O'Toole. Or not. They come at home annually for the Masters Golf Tournament nearby Augusta, where they bet, they bet on the outcome, Mr. Livingston said, and I, guess, uh, I guarantee they bet there's not going to be no women playing in it. The Irish travelers do caulking and roof work and paint barns. Some of them are good business people, but take advantage of elderly people a lot. Mr. Livingston said there were also English travelers in the U.S. who went around doing big construction jobs with heavy equipment and Scottish travelers who worked on waterproofing and house repairs. Scottish travelers. I wonder if they wear kilts. Only on Sunday. Before the incident, Ms. Toogood and her husband, John, a contractor, had been living in Mishawaka for about six months. The Greenhorn Carols made news in January 2000 when five of their young male members were killed in a crash on Interstate 30 in Fort Worth. The accident shocked authorities when they discovered that none of the boys was older than 14 and four were carrying false driver's licenses misrepresenting their ages. Sounds like a bunch of Mishigoyim and Mishawaka to me is what it sounds like, don't it? Scamsters, tramps yeah. and thieves. Exactly, which you see the Yiddish is always more colorful and right to the point. Right. Mishigoyim. That's exactly what that means. In fact, if you look up if you look up Michigan, you'll see the whole goddamn uh, Too Good family right there. Even Dudley Too Good is in it. Remember Dudley Too Good? No. Too good for this show. 319 votes on the poll, and you people want to fry your ass right there on TV. And I say, oh! yeah, I'm all, I'm with you. I'll tune in. 
What am I getting all excited about? 11.56, four minutes till noon. I'm getting excited because it's almost a big noon to one hour. And because we're not going to be taking no calls on the show tomorrow. And, of course, tomorrow in the noon to one hour, we got our Wednesday uh, wackos, our Wednesday, what do we call that? I don't know. Just Wednesday wackos. noon to one. Wednesday wackoff from noon to one, okay? So get the uh, petroleum jelly out and have yourself a wonderful time. Crank out New a batch. New Balance. don't see that's a Ron and Ron thing. That whole <laughs> no, batch thing. Opie and Anthony. Uh, was Opie and Anthony. No, Ron and Ron. Did they steal it from Opie and Anthony? They must have. Well, how long have Opie and Anthony been on the air? I don't know. No, I, I think uh, I think maybe it was the other way around. Ron and Ron were doing that batch crap before uh, Jesus was a baby. New Balance of South Florida covers all your athletic and footwear needs. If you need new, how's the uh, crib? If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training, cross-dressing, running, walking, weightlifting, or other weekend warrior activities, New Balance of South Florida has got your feet covered, just like they got my feet covered in great style. I love, I'm not exaggerating, I love my New Balance shoes. Aren't they spiffy? Yes. You've seen them. Yeah, I have mine. I'm on my second or third pair right now, the ones with the Velcro straps and with tremendous soles and great cushion and support. And if you feel like you're walking on air, you feel like you're floating a little bit, especially when I get over to Church Street, eh? New Balance of South Florida has a revolutionary concept, and, of course, they still measure it the old-fashioned way. In fact, when Tom Welling goes in there, they say, Hey, Tom, let's take a look at how long it is and how big it is, and your foot, too, so we can measure it up just perfectly. We can cover it up with something really nice. And they got infant sizes all the way up to size 20, so even if you got gigantic feet or little teeny tiny feet like Mike Spindell, they can fit you up. New Balance of South Florida has got style sizes and widths of shoes you can only find before in catalogs or by mail order. And, of course, so whatever you're looking for, they got it there for you. If not, by some miracle, they'll order it for you. No extra charge. You'll be wearing them in no time at all. Make a run to New Balance of South Florida, Aventura Mall, Pinecrest, Boca Town Center, and coming in November to their new location in Palm Beach Gardens. If your feet could thank you, they would, for schlepping them over to, see, we've got to get schlepping in to make Pete Lenny happy, schlepping them over to New Balance Shoes. <laughs> Sports Radio 560, QAM. This is Dave Goldstein, but you can call me Geldy. Whenever I'm in town, I listen to... Wait a minute, I am in town. It's the 12 to 1 hour. Stop! Today on Kuda Hunter, we'll try to snag the elusive American airhead. The airhead, once thought to be very sly and cunning, isn't at all. It's just that the airhead really has no purpose and wanders around aimlessly which causes it to be hard to track down. You can't follow the footprints, if you know what I mean. So what we're doing today is cruising the ritzy area of town. Oh, my, there's a beauty right over there. She's stunning. Nice little perky. Uh, now, all I have to do is dangle this shiny gold bracelet in front of her. That's it. It's beginning to work. Come on, darling. No one's going to hurt you. Isn't she a beauty? Oh, yeah, the American airhead really knows their way around an Aussie diggery dude. Until next time, remember, always bring protection and enough cash to cover expenses. So join us next time. Kuda Hunter. Come here, baby. You know something? That's uh, two psychic uh, moments on the same uh, minute there. Sir. You want to know why? Because the next story I got is from The Age, which is an Australian newspaper. And the thing you just faxed me from one of our listeners, uh, White Man's Burden by Paul Krugman in the New York Times, was the second story down in my pile. I already had it. But thank you anyway, but I already got it. All right. How do you like that, huh? Everybody's psychic powers are kicking in. Oh! Put that freaking Miss Cleo to shame and that uh, Jonathan Edwards. How can he still be on the air? Is, is that show still on? Yes. Crossing over? Just remember, it's on the Science Fiction Channel. Oh, my God. They should put that up here on Scream TV, because every time I see him on there, I start screaming like a lunatic. What is he doing on there? Oh, but all this other stuff is quackery. It's fakery, right? You mean like organized religion, right? Yeah. Right. The word from the CIA, it's the oil stupid. 
an article in uh, today's Australia newspaper, The Age. France and Russia have oil companies and interest in Iraq. They should be told that if they're of assistance in uh, moving Iraq to a decent government, we'll do the best we can to ensure that the new government and American companies will work with them. If they throw their lot with Saddam, it'll be difficult to the point of impossible to persuade the new Iraq government to work with them. Former CIA Director James Woolsey quoted in the Washington Post September 15th, so there you have it. The Bush administration may be telling the world that the reason he went Security Council has to approve an Allied attack on Iraq is because of Iraq's weapons and mass destruction capability. But the real reason France and Russia are being told to get on board the U.S. military bandwagon is Iraq's oil reserves. According to the Washington Post, all five permanent members of the Security Council, the U.S., Britain, France, Russia, and China, have international oil companies with major stakes in a change of leadership in Baghdad. The Washington Post is one of the major media vehicles through which members of the American establishment talk to each other. It's clear the real issue here is who controls Iraqi oil. Neither the U.S. nor Britain, nor Australia for that matter, has produced any credible evidence to back up the ostensible reason for an attack on Iraq or regime change, read assassination of Saddam. The debate about how U.S. should go about getting control of Iraqi oil has been blunt and to the point. The new regime that the U.S. intends to impose on Iraq will not honor any of the agreements made between the old regime and oil companies around the world. As the Post points out, since the Gulf War in 91, companies from more than a dozen nations have either reached or sought agreements to develop Iraqi oil fields or repair existing facilities. According to the latest U.S. Department of Energy background paper on Iraq published in March, the U.N. had warned in 2000 of a major breakdown in Iraq's oil industry if spare parts and equipment were not forthcoming. The U.S. said any extra money should be used only for short-term improvements to the Iraqi oil industry and not to make long-term repairs. The U.S. Department of Energy said as early as January 2002, the head of the U.N. Iraq program, Benon Seven, expressed grave concern at the volume of holds put on contracts for oil field development and stated the entire program was threatened with paralysis. According to Sevon, these holds amounted to nearly 2,000 contracts worth about $5 billion, about 80% of which were held by the U.S. The Iraqi regime in waiting, politely known as the Iraqi National Congress, an umbrella group financed by U.S. oil interest, has made it plain that it will not be bound by any of these deals. The INC leader, Ahmed Shalabi, is quoted in the Post as saying he favored the creation of a U.S.-led consortium to develop Iraq's oil fields. Iraq's oil fields are second only to Saudi Arabia, controlled by the U.S. through the House of Saud, which the U.S. is guaranteed to protect against external or internal threats. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, Iraq contains 112 billion barrels of proven reserves, along with roughly 220 billion barrels of probable and possible resources. Iraq's true potential uh, resource potential may be far greater than this, however, as the country is relatively unexplored due to years of war and sanctions. There is nothing new in the U.S.-British policy in the Middle East, and in Iraq in particular. Iraq was a client state, or in polite terms, an ally. Client states are defined according to U.S. academic Noam Chomsky by their obedience, not their values. Saddam was given diplomatic cover for as long as he was obedient to U.S. interest. Now he's damned as a monster. A client oil state was first defined by Lord Curzon, who was the British Foreign Secretary after WW1. He said it was an Arab facade ruled and administered under British guidance and controlled by a native Mohammedan and as far as possible by an Arab staff. There should be, <coughs> there should be no actual incorporation of the conquered territory in the dominions of the conqueror, but the absorption may be veiled by such constitutional fictions as a protectorate, a sphere of influence, a buffer state, and so on. The U.S. took over the British Imperial Prize in the Middle East after WW2. The official U.S. State Department History, 1945, Volume 8, page 45, noted these resources constituted a stupendous source of strategic power and one of the greatest material prizes in world history, probably the richest economic prize in the world of, in, uh, in the field of foreign investment. The U.S. is not going to give up Iraq without a fight, even if the main cause to be damaged to its reputation as a good global citizen. 
If Australia follows its present course, a more sophisticated version of All the Way with LBJ, we'll share the cost, but without the major benefits that might be available to the four members of the Security Council, which the U.S. wants on their, on their side to provide a moral fig leaf for its policy in the Middle East. In today's age in Australia. How do you like them apples, huh? Excellent. Disgusting. See, and this is why we're still dependent on oil, boys and girls. We don't need, we didn't, uh, I mean, why even go into it? You know what I'm saying? What are you saying? This is still why there are people like George driving those big gas-guzzling SUVs and why we have to, like, be on. See, otherwise, if it weren't for the oil factor, we could blow Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran and Sudan and all those uh, far uh, on into the Stone Age, or at least further into it than they already are. But it's all about O-I-L and M-O-N-E-Y. Anybody who don't believe that is full of S-H. So Paul Grugman writes in the New York Times today, White Man's Burden, I... He says, doi, 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 doi. no, that's not what he said. He says we should listen to Carl Rove when he lauds former presidents. For example, Mr. Rove has lately taken a saying that George W. Bush is another Andrew Jackson. As Congress considers Mr. Bush's demand that the Homeland Security Department be exempt from civil service rules, it should recall that those rules were introduced out of revulsion over the spoils system under which federal appointments were reserved for political loyalists, a practice begun under Andrew Jackson. But Mr. Rove's original model was William McKinley. Until September 11th, we thought Mr. Rove admired McKinley's domestic political strategy. McKinley was also the president who acquired an overseas empire. And there's a definite whiff of imperial ambition in the air once again. You smell it? I can. He writes, of course, the new Bush doctrine in which the United States will seek regime change in nations that we judge might be future threats is driven by high moral purpose. But McKinley era imperialists also thought they were morally justified. The war with Spain, which ruled its colonies with great brutality but posed no threat to us, was justified by an apparent act of terror, the sinking of the battleship Maine, even though no evidence ever linked that attack to Spain. And the purpose of our conquest of the Philippines was, McKinley declared, to educate the Filipinos and uplift and civilize and Christianize them. Moral clarity aside, the parallel between America's pursuit of manifest destiny a century ago and its new global sense of mission has a lot to teach us. First, the experience of the Spanish-American War should remind us that quick conventional military victory is not necessarily the end of the story. Thanks to American technological superiority, Admiral George Dewey destroyed a Spanish fleet in Manila Bay without losing a single man. But a clean, high-tech war against Spain somehow turned into an extremely dirty war against the Filipino resistance, one in which hundreds of thousands of civilians died. Second, America's imperial venture should serve as an object warning against taking grand strategic theories too seriously. The doctrines of the day saw colonies as strategic assets. In the end, it's very doubtful whether our control of the Philippines made us stronger. Now we're assured that the military action against rogue states will protect us from terrorism, but the rogue state now in our sights doesn't seem to have been involved in 9-11. What determines whose regime gets changed? Finally, we should remember that the economic doctrines that we used to justify Western empire building during the late 19th century, that colonies would provide valuable markets and sources of raw materials, turned out to be nonsense. Almost without exception, the cost of acquiring and defending a colonial empire greatly exceeded even a generous accounting of its benefits. These days, pundits tell us that a war with Iraq will drive down oil prices and maybe even yield a financial windfall. But the effect on oil prices is anything but certain. While the heavy costs of war, occupation, and rebuilding, for we won't bomb Iraq, then wash our hands of responsibility, will we, are not in doubt. And no, the United States cannot defray the cost of war out of Iraqi oil revenue, not unless we're willing to confirm to the world that we're just old-fashioned imperialists after all. In the end... 19th century imperialism was a diversion. It's hard not to suspect that the Bush Doctrine is also a diversion, a diversion from the real issues of dysfunctional security agencies, a sinking economy, a devastated budget, and a tattered relationship with our allies. Writes Paul Krugman in today's New York Times. Nice going, Paul. Right on target, baby. He's got his thumb right on it. He's not caving in.
There's a few of us not keeping. And now you notice the new poll, 49% of the Americans, it's no longer the economy, stupid. Now 49% of the public believe that Sodom is the number one issue, Iraq. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. They've done a masterful job right before election time. I'm looking at my watch here. It says the 24th of September. What are we, about six weeks away from the election? Uh -huh. Something like that. I just mentioned that in passing. It's 11 past noon. we got the Mad Dog coming at 1 o'clock from Shula State, too. The Humper, the, the man who is like uh, just a giant <laughs> in the sports talk industry who's saving our ass this summer. In fact, you want to go in there and kiss him on the toes because he'll be in the studio today, the Humper. Uh, can I kiss him on the ring? Kiss him on his ring, okay? Kiss him on his ring, his thing, his suspenders, whatever. How come I keep saying suspenders? I don't know. I don't know. I think Hank could look snazzy in suspenders. He'd probably certainly look better than Larry King. Uh-huh. But then again, so would Quasimodo. I mean, Larry King. Is a... Have you noticed him lately? No, not lately. Oh, he's starting to look really bad, you know, and he's starting to look really, really old. Hey, by now you've heard I'm positive the incredible earning potential of people in the computer industry, computer professionals, we call them. You've heard us talk about the incredible demand for certified computer professionals and the fact that Todd Reck is a flaming asshole. You've also heard us talk about the great people at Fast Train. So it's time to do yourself a favor. Pick up the phone and call Fast Train toll-free at 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. You can complete your program, get certified in four short months, and be on your way to a new, higher-paying career. Fast Train's got four convenient locations in Dave Broward, including that newest one in most prestigious and highly congested, Kendall. Fast Train's got convenient evening and weekend classes to fit your schedule. They've got full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience to get you started. So if you want to get yourself out of your dead-end job, if you want a career where you can make some serious cash and have a couple of nickels to rub together, here's the answer for you. Pick up the phone. There's no obligation. Call the people at Fast Train. They'll answer all your questions. Call toll-free 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Tell them Todd Gregg told you to call, and when they stop laughing and pick up the phone again, they'll answer your questions. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. Man, <laughs> I need help. Rick Riley stole my briefcase. Yes. I like to fart in his face. That's Marmy Dink, what gives him the right. Oh! I think his wife ought to bite it off tonight. Huh? Rick Riley stole my briefcase. <laughs> what a disgrace to the human race. Oh, Rick, you're a smuck. That wheel of meat should also include Rick Riley's butt. Oh, 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 Rick Riley stole my briefcase. <laughs> I like a fart in his face. I need help. Rick Riley, you're an asshole. Say it again. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I need help. Okay, the reason I play that, and I shouldn't play that bit anymore because it says something about Hank Goldberg sucks, which we can't say that now. <laughs> now that, huh? now no, that he bailed us out in this last trend here. Nice going there, Humper. Congratulations to you. Well deserved. Because basically the station is like, and I don't, you know, Eddie Kay's a great guy, and Joe and Mark overnight. You know, we got a lot of other stuff going on, the Dolphin games. But uh, generally speaking, our station is like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Wouldn't you say? Who, me? Anyway, and I'm not asking you anything, okay? Because you're such a pussy, man. You're so noncommittal. They got you. They have you right where they want you, boy. They got you so pussified. Yeah. Get out that uh, cart we got back there somewhere with those meowing sounds because pretty soon, the, if the, no wonder you're worried about the Chinese. If they ever find you, they'd fry you for lunch. Anyway, here's a fact that says I was flipping, the reason I played that, I was flipping through stations a couple mornings ago and the douchebag on Zeta was trying to come up with a contest to win tickets and said, remember when we used to do cop or no cop with donut shops? 
Wasn't that a Rick and Suds bit, asked the faxer? Absolutely correct, sir. Of course it was. What's wrong with young Ron anyway, you know? I have no idea. What the hell is wrong with them? I'll ask them. I mean, it, it's not funny anymore, you know, the fact that they just keep ripping off everybody else's deal. Come up with something original, Paul, okay? For I mean, he had a couple of good bits there, those Sammy Smith ones, and the uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Rick Sanchez, and that was it. That was, that's, that's his uh, claim to fame. How did they do in this last trend, which we didn't do that great? George didn't do that great. And the morning's on our station. Oh, my God. Do, 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 do. Wow. Ooh. Getting pretty scary. You know, who, you know who I really wonder what he's thinking? He's probably not saying too much because, of course, he never makes no mistakes. I wonder what Greg is thinking about at this point, you know? After he effed up the morning show big time and got all temperamental and got all bent out of sorts and chased away Joe and then probably sent Defoe into, like, rehab, which is why he did that thing with the Indians. And then, of course, uh, Geldy is, uh, you know, Geldy now is like a prisoner of Zenda. All he's got to do is start thinking about hockey, and right away they kick his ass out of the room for a few minutes so he can, like, get it out of his head. So, anyway, speaking of uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, which I noticed that we had a... Wasn't that the one area where we had a serious decline in our response on the poll? Yes, we did. And here may be the reason. Maybe they're busy reading Jehovah'sWitnesses.com and not NeilRogers.com. If I had known this was such good reading, I'd have visited that site a long time ago. Well, you better get with it, mister, because maybe it'll get your numbers back up there instead of talking about eating ass and stuff like that. You know, Dwight Lauderdale don't have time to listen to your show every day. Although I do hear the rumors inside Channel 10. He likes it a lot. And your show, too. Questions from readers on Jehovah'sWitnesses.com. Somebody has faxed this to us. I think this is extraordinarily interesting. Recently in the news was a court decision ruling that oral copulation by adults is no longer punishable by law in a certain state. Would such practice, therefore, be solely a matter for individual conscience if engaged in by a Christian couple within the marriage arrangement, question mark, and a question coming from the USA? We don't have a name. We don't have, like, an address. Somebody in the USA. And here's the answer from Jehovah's Witnesses. We believe that, aside from those who have been indoctrinated with the view that in marriage anything goes... The vast majority of persons would normally reject as repugnant the practice of oral copulation as also anal copulation. If these forms of intercourse are not contrary to nature, then what is? That those practicing such acts do so by mutual consent as married persons would not thereby make these acts natural or not obscene. Are we being narrow or extreme in taking such position? I wonder what they mean by that. Missionary. No, as seen by the fact that several states of the U.S. have for a long time had laws against precisely such practices, classifying them as forms of sodomy legal usage, Webster's Third New International Dictionary includes in its definition of sodomy this. Carnal copulation with a member of the same sex or with an animal or un of unnatural carnal copulation, what? Or unnatural carnal copulation with a member of the opposite sex, specifically the penetration of the male organ into the mouth or anus of another. Into the mouth or Rectum. anus of another. Of course, dictionaries and state laws differ, but our position is based primarily upon God's Word, the Bible. Yet such worldly evidence... In fact, remember in Genesis, where God says, uh, Be fruitful and multiply, but don't eat no ass? <laughs> Yet such worldly evidence serves as a certain purpose, one corresponding in principle to what the Apostle, the apo the apostle said at 1 Corinthians 5.1. There he showed the, that the sexual relations of one member of the Corinthian congregation were of a kind condemned even by people of the pagan nations. So the application of the term sodomy in modern terms to the mentioned forms of copulation shows that we are not unreasonable in saying that they are not only unnatural, but grossly so. Gross. I think they're only gross on depending on who's doing it. Therefore, the overruling of some state laws and the declaring of oral copulation or similar unnatural copulation as legal does not alter our Bible-based position. 
In a world of decaying morals, we can expect that some law courts may succumb in varying degrees to the growing trend towards sexual perversion, just as some of the clergy and doctors have done. Some of the clergy, like Father O'Toole and others. It is not our purpose to attempt to draw a precise line as to where what is natural ends and what is unnatural begins. You know where I think it ends and begins? At your rectum. That's what I'm thinking. Or maybe it's your mouth. But we believe that by mediating on Bible principles, a Christian should at least be able to discern what is grossly unnatural. I can't read any more of this, okay? It's making me sick to my stomach. It's gross. It's grossing me out. Here's another good article from the New York Times today. From that commie pinko publication that all you right-wingers... Oh, that's right. The right-wingers are over with Rush now. Oh! Oh, good. We can breathe easy. They're over there listening to that... Look, 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 that right-wing propaganda that makes them feel so good that they stick their finger deep inside their anus. Rectum! And give themselves a little twitch on the prostate. Nicholas Kristof writes in the New York Times today, the day after. As soon as American troops are rolling through Saddam Hussein's palaces... The odds are that this holy Shiite city, Najaf, 100 miles south of Baghdad, will erupt in a fury of killing, torture, rape, and chaos. The Shiite Muslims, who make up 60% of Iraq but who have never held power, will rampage through the narrow streets here. Remembering the whispers from the bazaar about how Saddam's minions burned the beard off the face of a great Shiite leader named Muhammad Bakr al-Sadr, then raped and killed his sister in front of him and finally executed him by driving nails through his head, the rebels will tear apart anyone associated with the ruling Ba'ath party. In fact, don't you think that a lot of those people over there could use a good bath? In one Shiite city after another, expect battles between rebels and army units, periodic calls for an Iranian-style theocracy, and perhaps a drift towards civil war. For the last few days, I've been traveling in three Shiite cities, Karbala, Najaf, and Basra, and the tension in the bazaars is thicker than the dust behind the donkey carts. So before we rush into Iraq, we need to think through what we'll do the morning after Sodom is toppled. Do we send in our troops to try to seize the mortars and machine guns from the warring factions? Or do we run from civil war and risk letting Iran cultivate its own puppet regime? In the north, do we suppress the Kurds if they take advantage of the chaos to seek independence? Do we fight off the Turkish army if it intervenes in Kurdistan? Unless we're prepared for the consequences of our invasion, we have no business invading at all. So, après Saddam, les déluges. What the hell is that? Mm -hmm. See, when they start with that French stuff, I don't get it. Anyway, that's only a guess, of course, but it's exactly what happened last time Saddam was in trouble at the end of the Persian Gulf War 1991. With the central government tottering, a Shiite uprising began in Basra and quickly spread. Here in Ajaf, rebels tossed officials out of the windows of the Ba'ath Party headquarters to be hacked apart by others below. Rioters raped and killed children in front of their parents. Saddam's suppression two weeks later, as U.S. forces stood by passively, was equally brutal, with rebels hanged from lampposts and dragged to their deaths behind tanks. Not surprisingly, when I asked people in the bazaars about the uprising, they mostly turned pale and remembered urgent business elsewhere. It hurts my heart when I remember it, said Nassim Jawad, a 40-year-old jeweler in the Najaf Bazaar, who was one of the few to admit to being in the area at the time. They burned the supermarkets, destroyed the laboratory, schools, and hospitals. Mr. Jawad was prudent enough to adhere to the government lines that the rebellion was work of Iranian provocateurs and wouldn't happen again, but I bet otherwise, says Nick Kristoff. In Basra, I asked a senior Ba'ath Party official if he wasn't worried that he and his family would be targets of mob wrath. He protested so passionately I couldn't help thinking that he had spent a few sleepless nights considering that possibility. In the north of Iraq, the challenge for the U.S. will be different. Many Kurds will demand at least quasi-independence and there will be a ferocious struggle for the city of Kirkuk, which floats on the Sea of Oil. Kirkuk is aggressively coveted by the Kurds, by the Turkish-backed Turkmen minority, and of course by the Iraqi Arabs who control it now. More broadly, if the U.S. brings democracy to Iraq, it will mean seizing power from the 17% Sunni minority who dominate the army and government and giving it to the 60% Shiite majority. The upshot could be greater influence for Iran, a fellow Shiite country with close ties to Iraq's Shiite cities. Ayatollah Khomeini spent 13 years in exile here in Najaf, and many top Iranian Ayatollahs stayed for shorter periods. 
Iranian hardliners are probably salivating at the thought of America naively creating a Shiite Iraq so that the two countries could pool their nuclear resources and build the bomb together. Of course, there are happier scenarios as well. Iraq also has a 95% literacy rate and a secular middle class that eventually could be fertile soil for a democracy that would be a model for the Arab world. So it's fine to hope for democracy as long as we brace for civil war. If we invade Iraq, it must be with eyes wide open. The most ticklish challenge ahead is not overthrowing Saddam, but managing the resulting upheaval for a decade afterward, writes Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times today. Sure a little different from what we did last time, ain't it? Sure a little different from what we did in Afghanistan last time, ain't it? Nope. 26 past noon at 560 WQAM. Have you heard the news about Todd Dreck being an asshole? Yeah. Good, because it's absolutely true. Truth and packaging, baby. Just take a look at him and you'll say, there's a little asshole right there. Look at it. There's a little asshole. It's Todd Dreck. Have you heard about the 3.95% mortgage? True. If you've been thinking about it, stop thinking and do something smart, because now is the smart time to buy your home or refinance your existing home at the amazingly low rate of only 3.95%. If you have a 7.5% mortgage, that 3.95% rate would save you over 3.5%, over 3,500 bucks the first year on a $100,000 mortgage. So instead of making things hard on yourself, pick up the phone and make them really easy. Call Financial Group at 1-800-940-LEND and I'll explain it to you. That's 1-800-940-5363. Getting yourself a mortgage someplace else will cost you literally thousands of extra dollars every year. Who wants to do that? Think of all the money you can save when you got a 3.95% mortgage. Financial Group has helped thousands of people just like you. Put your financing in the best possible position by getting yourself an amazing 3.95% mortgage. Call Financial Group today and check this out. Call 1-800-940-5363. 1-800-940-5363. They're an equal housing letter. Credit restrictions do apply. Rates are subject to change if you wait too long. And when you call, tell them that Todd Direct told you to call, and they'll probably hang up. Live, Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. Now, can I ask you a question? Seriously. Okay. Well, what was that? I'm not talking about the uh, the bit part of it. That sounded like the chic on on helium. But yeah. what what kind of an ending was that? Well, a, cl a clever and uh, imaginative ending. Heineken, fuck that shit. Taps blue ribbon. Lots of bucks they wanted. It's lots of bucks they needed. Yeah. Bye bye bye. I just got the boot now and. Bye bye bye. I told the Russian sorry. Orbiting the planet would happen fun. But I'm short on 20 million, that's for sure. Now I'm left just earthbound. All because I couldn't pay their dues. All I've got to Bye-bye-bye! Lots of bucks they wanted, yeah. So I just got the boot now, and my launch got back. 12.32, that's the uh, rejoin. I tell you, the is a good thing that Muff is back. It's going to take him a little while to get into her full gear. Like getting on that sales department and keeping the elbow grease on him, Muff. Keep on him, baby, especially that little pudwhacker Todd Dreck, who absolutely refuses to do a goddamn thing at all. Piece of turd, man. He's stealing from that joint. But anyway... 
And these promos, you notice when Clarence has been the interim pro, oh, that's right, I forgot, he is a program director. Well, he's going to have to be overruled. Promos are too long, they're too ponderous. We haven't had a new pro, a mo, a mo pro promo in uh, Kunze. We still got that Al Michaels thing on it, and they're all too long. We don't want to hear half of the guy's show. I mean, here's his voice, here's a little, you know, ten seconds. Let's get back to it. We've had that discussion a million times. We've got these four-minute breaks. Give us a little bit of a promo here on the rejoin, and let's get on with the show, okay? Not these long, ponderous interruptions that you people are famous for, like those nine-minute breaks that uh, chase the worst team off the air. You know what I'm talking about? What are you talking about? The promos are too effing long. That's what I'm talking about. And, of course, that last one, and then the bizarre ending, you know, the trick ending. Like, let's right. trick the host. And, and I'm sitting here, and i got, you know, I'm waiting, and I, you know how it works. you got your finger on it <laughs> and the button, too. And, like, uh, okay, when is this? Yeah, you know, like, what is that? Oh, and speaking of what is that, look at that market again, huh? The Dow is down another 161 points, and the NASDAQ, which was up a couple, is now down four, and it's like a precipitous drop. The NASDAQ is under 1,200, the lowest in six years, and continuing to drop, and the Dow is like uh, 7,700, and will finish under 7,700 if it keeps going this way on the day. How do you like that? I don't a precipitous decline. We better invade today, baby. Oh! Get our minds off all these depressing things. Let's invade those freaking Iraqis, those schmata heads right now. And get on to more important things like O-I-L and M-O-N-E-Y. Am I right or what? You're right. F-N-A. Here's some other important crap. CDC releases smallpox vaccination plan. Have you heard this? Yes. Federal health officials have put together guidelines for vaccinating within five days the entire U.S. population against smallpox in case of a bioterrorist attack. <laughs> the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sent a manual to all 50 states in Washington on Monday with instructions on how to vaccinate entire populations within a week of an outbreak. Called the Smallpox Vaccination Guide, the CDC manual tells states that rapid voluntary vaccinations may be required to stop the virus from spreading in the event of an outbreak, but does specify what would constitute a does uh, not specify what would constitute an outbreak of the potentially fatal virus. Only scientific research centers in the U.S. and Russia are known to have the smallpox virus, but federal officials are concerned that terrorist groups may obtain the virus and release it to the U.S. Smallpox can cause severe illness, can kill up to 30% of those infected. If anyone were determined to have the virus, health officials would discuss and determine a course of action. And, of course, all the smallpox virus that the U.S. and Russia had were supposed to have been destroyed, but were they? No. No. See, these are the things that we keep overlooking. It's like if like you have a whole bunch of like chemicals and dangerous stuff around the house, and then your little kid gets into it and dies. You know what I'm talking about? Right. That happens all the time. Sure. And the same thing with the governments of the so-called superpowers of the time, the U.S. and the Soviet Union, who had these enormous stockpiles of nuclear weapons and chemical weapons and biological weapons. And, well, well let's put a padlock, a rusty padlock on the door and go away. You know, it's out there in Siberia. It's up there in, um, uh, it's out in Nevada and wherever. Put a padlock on the door and walk away. Nobody's going to get it. Nobody's going to find it, we hope. It'll never leak. Tragic. Tragic how they brainwash the public into believing that, hey, it's uh, the good guys against the bad guys. It's that uh, That's his whole mentality, you know, that, that Wild West uh, cowboy mentality. Us against them. Good against evil. The evildoers. Talk about a mentality for simpletons. Talk about an Alfred E. Newman mentality, man. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating and degrading. And, of course, what are we surrounded with? Like that. Just like when we opened the phone for about ten seconds this morning. And what did we hear? 
Fast food gets healthy, too. I'm glad that I got around to this one. We haven't got to Brittany yet. I don't think we'll have to wait for tomorrow for Brittany. You know? That's a boring story if that's what you're telling me about. What do you mean by that? That she's uh, straightening her act it's up? It's never a boring story when Brittany's involved, okay? There are people out there, as soon as they hear that name, something perks out. up. <laughs> Brittany cleans up her act. No, I don't want to hear about it. But it's got a picture of how she was and now how she is. So you can still see the picture of how she was. Fast food gets healthy to Boca. You know who lives in Boca, don't you? Doi, 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 doi. You won't have any grease seeping through your paper bag when you pull away from this drive through The fries aren't fried, the chicken is farm-raised, and the burgers are made of lean buffalo meat. For the more adventurous diners, there are tofu sandwiches, veggie pockets with soy cheese, and one-ounce cups of wheatgrass juice. Ah, oh, we were going so well till we got to the wheatgrass juice. Yeah. The Healthy Bites Grill opened this summer about the same time a New York man sued four fast food restaurants for making him fat and unhealthy. <laughs> the restaurant owned by Health Express USA is hoping to capitalize on that bad publicity and target the more health conscious among those who spend $100, $100 billion annually on burgers, fried chicken, and other fast food nationwide. $100 billion a year to kill us. Although I do like Wendy's. The restaurant is the four-year-old company's second foray into the quick service industry, and its executives hope it, it serves as a model for franchises around the world. They've already fielded requests to open restaurants from Japan, Canada, and Kuwait. Eating healthy is for everyone, and people everywhere are really starting to recognize that, said Susan Greenfield, a company founder and board member. Company executives said they wanted to create healthy fast food with a gourmet flair. The restaurant has an upscale look with trendy lights and benches, stools and tables that are the color of tomatoes, eggplants, and zucchini. And wasn't that, wasn't uh, we just asking Tom Welling yesterday That's about right. a zucchini, aren't The average meal at Healthy Bites has a higher end price too. Sandwiches, burgers, and wraps with a drink and a side dish cost between six and nine bucks, and customers might have to wait a few minutes longer. Nothing from the portobello mushroom and veg and pepperoni pocket. Is, is that vegan? I guess, yeah, yeah, vegan. Nothing from the portobello mushroom and vegan pepperoni pocket to the tarragon chicken salad wrap is pre-made and put under heat lamps to wait for customers' orders. In other words, it's all made fresh like at Pizza Loft. CEO Doug Baker said people don't mind a short delay for the specialty cuisine. We're out like McDonald's on steroids, he said. Oh, that, that's a bad choice of words. Yeah, no kidding. Boy. Ten-year-old Alexandria. Oh, and by the way, there's Joan Collins on Guiding Light. Oh. We want the old Alexandria back, not that freaky, worn-out bitch Joan Collins. Can you believe that? Why would they that's do how, that? Nobody uh, likes her. I know. Ten-year-old Alexandria Sutton, a self-proclaimed expert on chicken strips, raved about her meal before heading off to swimming practice one recent afternoon. She didn't even notice that the breaded pieces of chicken were baked instead of fried. Their chicken fingers are a lot better than all the other restaurants I've ever been to, she said. Alexandria's mom, Ann Sutton, said she could have stopped at McDonald's, Booger King, or another more traditional fast food restaurant, but opted against it. We were looking for something that might have a lighter meal. Nutritionist Beth Ellen DeLulio Happened upon healthy bites a few weeks ago and has returned at least a dozen times. She said, like most people, her clients are too busy to cook three meals seven days a week, and now she can offer them a healthy alternative. People are really starting to realize that nutrition is your best health insurance, she said. What you eat and what you drink is going to have a direct effect on your health and your children's health. The restaurant in glitzy Boca Raton is, all, is pulling in almost four times as much business as Health Express's first restaurant in Oakland Park. Healthy Bites makes about 20000 a month in gross sales. The company's stock sells under the symbol H-E-X-S on NASDAQ's over-the-counter bulletin board. Company executives believe their sales reflect America's growing sense of the impact of the supersized, fat-filled meals coming through most drive-thru windows. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report that an estimated 61% of American adults are either overweight or obese and warn that the numbers are only increasing. 
Other fast food restaurants have cashed in on the health food craze. Subway proudly lists the nutritional contents for its subs on napkins and posters, and the chain created a new ad campaign last year around the, uh, revolving around Jared Fogle, who lost 245 pounds while eating Subway sandwiches per year. You seen Jared? Yeah, I've seen him. Starting to it. pork up a little bit again, by the way, Jared. If you want to live a long life, you've got to stay away from the meats and grease bakers, and that's exactly what we're doing here. So it's in Boca. I guess maybe we'll find out where it is in Boca. We'll put it on the air because we, we have contacts in Boca do, 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 do. and others, too. 19 to 1 at 560 WQM. Are you sick of being taken advantage of real estate agents and brokers when you're looking to sell your home? You tired of that? Yes. Well, if you are, check out SaveRealty.com. Here's how this works. You retain the right to sell your home. You can also show and sell your home to buyers who call you directly. And if you sell your home this way, you pay only 1% in commission. That's it. SaveRealty.com cooperates with all MLS realtors. You can also show your home to realtors. And if they sell your home, you only have to pay the realtor the commission they traditionally charge for bringing you a buyer. The bottom line is you're going to save money. Contact SaveRealty.com on the web at SaveRealty.com or call them directly at 954-788-2660. If you want to stop dealing with real estate agents or brokers when you're selling your home and save a lot of money at the same time, let SaveRealty.com show you how to do it. Log on to SaveRealty.com today. SaveRealty.com, the best and easiest way to sell your home. Here's that number again, 954-788-2660. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAQAM. The honey, Junior. McDonald's is cutting the fat in their fries, but here at McDougal's, we're upping the fat. Let's up the fat. Why eat healthy when you can enjoy those good old grease-soaked, artery-clogging French fries at McDougal's? Let's up the fat. McDougal's has doubled the fat, doubled the flavor, and doubled the size of our fries. Now try McDougal's Double Death Wish Combo, a burger and soft drink with five pounds of McDougal's Double Fat Fries for just 99 cents. Because McDougal's knows what every ignorant, uneducated Greasy hair, acne face, poor fat slob loves. Get a free McDeck certificate while supplies last. Did somebody mention McDougal's? 1246 at 560 WQM McDeck. I keep thinking of that sign over McDonald's in Amsterdam. Right. Anyway, somebody faxes this to us. Who's making the smallpox vaccine? A company called Bioport. Who's Bioport? A company owned by the Carlisle Group. Who's the Carlisle Group? Well, you know, it says, and we do know, don't we? Yes. Those of us who know i got a couple of sports stories. Can we change the pace a little bit? We're going to be segueing into the Mad Dog and Hank. And, of course, the Humper, <laughs> who bailed us out. Goaltender Trevor Kidd made his first appearance in a Maple Leaf uniform on, uh, let's see, what's today? Tuesday, on Sunday night. And was blown away by the crowd of 18,570 for an exhibition game at the Air Canada Center. It's a far cry from Florida, where the support for hockey, of course, is not as dedicated. He said there was a full house out there, the former Panthers said. Holy cow, I haven't had that for a regular season game in a while. Never mind a preseason game. It was fun to get into that atmosphere. The music was cranked up loud. It was great. He was also amazed by the turnout of about 1,200 GTA minor hockey coaches for an open practice yesterday morning. I don't think there are that many coaches in all of Florida, maybe Georgia and Tennessee combined, kids said of the crowd. How do you like that? Trevor Kidd, bad mouth. Well, not bad mouth him, but just being honest about South Florida and the usual lackluster support for everything. But, of course, now that we got a morning, guys, we're going to really talk up the Panthers in the NHL. Do, 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 do. We should be in good shape. And last call for Harwell. This was in yesterday's Toronto Sun. Legendary Tigers broadcaster his final home game. And there's a picture of Ernie waving to the crowd. Ernie Harwell, certainly one of the top uh, half a dozen or so uh, baseball broadcasters of all time. A great guy. We love Ernie. Ernie Harwell said he only wanted to do his job, but he's meant far more to that to several generations of Detroit Tiger fans. I'm overwhelmed by all the attention, the Tigers Hall of Fame radio announcer said after he called it his last game in Detroit. 
I always look at myself as just a worker, and it's hard for me to comprehend all the attention. He said, the announced crowd of 23,930 paid homage to the worker Harwell, who will retire after 42 seasons with the team and 55 seasons of calling major league games. He might even be more famous than that Ron King. The guy that's Who? retiring from, uh, wasn't that the guy's name? Yeah, Life. Life. Never heard of you, Ron. Fans gave the 84-year-old Harwell a tremendous ovation, which featured chants of Ernie, Ernie, during the seventh-inning stretch of the Tigers' 4-3 loss to the Yankees. Since the All-Star break, there's been a video tribute to Harwell by different people during the seventh-inning stretch every game. Yesterday, it came from Harwell's wife of 61 years, Lulu Harwell. Remember Lulu? No. The singer Lulu? What was that song she sang? Lulu. What was that song? Whatever it was, a horrible song. After the game, there was an on-field ceremony in which the Tigers presented Harwell with Comerica's Park home plate and a plaque announcing that the stadium's press box will be officially dubbed the Ernie Harwell Media Center at the beginning of the 2003 season. Most fans stayed for the ceremony. And on and on it goes. Ernie did this and Ernie did that. Ernie was great, is great. He's retiring at the end of this season. We've got a few more road games to go, and that'll be it. And I feel sorry that I had to go with these Tigers. Oh, so sad. Pathetic. The Ernie Harwell Media Center is kind of like the Foster Hewitt Press Box at Maple Leaf Gardens, which then, of course, the Foster Hewitt Media Center at the Air Canada Center. And by the way, you Canadian, you Canucks who listen to this show, enough already with the 72 with Henderson. Enough already with this crap reliving the past. These people are crazy here. It's one thing to be enthusiastic, like Trevor Kidd said, and show up and support your team. It's another thing to be crazy. The 72 Olympics, uh, the uh, the whatever the hell they call that series, the Russians and the Soviets. I mean, the uh, Soviets and the uh, Canadians, whatever it was. You know what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Doi, 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 doi. That. The big hockey series between the Soviets and the Canucks. Big dog and pony show. And here they are all all week long on ESPN Classic. All week, this has been going on for weeks now. Every time you flip by that channel, they're showing the same crap with Foster Hewitt. Screaming and shrieking like an old lady with her legs tied together. Henderson! Enough already, you crazy Canucks, okay? I'm gonna jump out the frickin' window if I have to hear Henderson one more frickin' time. I don't even like Paul Henderson, he's a sourpuss. And a born again Christian to boot, eh? Hey Paul, stick it. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. UAM. Don't you go back to Canada, you Jew bastard. It was like a dog and pony show so Canada could puff up its hockey ego again. Listen, you people are wonderful, okay? Don't keep uh, with the curling and stuff, okay? Boy, it's an ego thing. I think it's Don Cherry's fault, if you ask me. Cut the crap, grapes. Henderson! Anyway, it's just, it's annoying, you know? I mean, stuff that happened 30 years ago, let's get over it. Let's get on with life, okay? 
Now, th this story that you just faxed me, see, people are going to think this is very bizarre, but I, I can relate to it. You want to know why? How many times have I told you about buying stuff in the store at, in Amsterdam and not knowing for sure what I was buying? That's, that's uh, what I was thinking when I read this. A 91-year-old Israeli died after his caregiver spread a paste-like dishwashing detergent on his bread instead of hummus, hum hummus, police said yesterday. The caregiver who had worked for the old man for five years told police he couldn't read the Hebrew writing on the detergent's container and served it up when the man asked for some hummus, a chickpea spread, popular in the Middle East. Ever see a chickpea? Police said the caregiver called an ambulance yes. when his employer fell ill on Saturday, but the man died in the hospital. We're checking to see whether there was criminal intent or whether it was a negligent homicide, a police spokesman said. Well, guess what, Mr. Police Spokesman? I think it's uh, just can happen. Crap happens, man, think, if you I can't read the was, language. I think it was hum humicide. I can't read uh, that Dutch for crap. And so you'll buy something, and you'll think, hey, this must be laundry detergent, you know, and you stick it in your uh, washing machine, you find out it was like uh, tapioca pudding. or Who knows what it is, you know? Why didn't the old man spit it out and say, feh? Because he was 91 years old, and he probably had a tough time swallowing it. That's what Mo always says doi, 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 doi. when he's getting raped. Enrique Iglesias, this is the most important story of the day. I left this out till the very end. It's a good thing we got to this, you know. May have to leave the Bill McBride story. I, I don't know. Do we have time for that? We'll see. And also the Britney thing, like I said. And then we aren't even close, not even close to the uh, Robert Blake story. God damn it. Now, how do we get sidetracked with this? You know how we got sidetracked? Calls. With those awful, wasting time on that uh, call. We had a tremendous response on that poll, but nevertheless. Oh, and speaking of polls. What should the punishment be for that the too-good bitch, the Indiana woman who beat the crap out of her kid in the car? Burn the bitch at the stake on national TV, 144, 35%. Probation only, 85. Probation and loss of custody of her children, 69. A year in jail, 41. Three years in jail, 40. And no punishment, spare the rod and spoil the child, 33 assholes said that. Pop star Enrique de Grecia's concert tonight at the American Airlines Arena has been postponed till November the 2th. Promoters blame the delay on transportation problems caused by the last-minute addition of two truckloads of equipment. Isn't that what Rick Riley used to say, truckloads? All the time. Bruce Katz, Senior Vice President of Touring for Clear Channel Entertainment, <laughs> which is producing Iglesias' 32-city tour, said that more light, sound, and stage equipment were added to the production after a Sunday night concert in Virginia Beach. Promoters said between nine and 10,000 tickets have been sold close to capacity. Those tickets will be honored for Saturday, November 2nd show. However, privately, people close to the show said late last week that slow ticket sales for the Tuesday night event made postponement possible. You following this? Uh-huh. Howard Katz said promoters decided Sunday there wasn't enough time to transport and set up the additional equipment for the expanded show in Miami, which he said required them to add two more trucks to the six vehicles they were already using. When uh, Iglesias saw the miles between Virginia Beach and Miami, we realized we wouldn't be able to get the full production of Miami Cat said he didn't want to go into his hometown without the full production. There were mixed feelings. I never feel that if a show can go on, it can, should be postponed. But this was very important to Enrique. He wanted to do his best and biggest show for Miami. And when we didn't sell all the tickets, well, wouldn't that be kind of embarrassing in your own hometown? Yeah, that would have been sad. <laughs> that would be really bad. And we love Enrique. He's my good, he used to be my good close personal friend before he started taking his clothes off all the time, becoming a big sex bot and very famous and wealthy. Remember, he used to send me all those autographed CDs, and every time every right. time he'd have a new CD, I still got him there with his autograph on the back, and you're the best, and I love you, and you like this. But yeah, I like it, Enrique. Let's see what it looks like. Do, 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 do. Yeah, let's see what you got. Not much is what he told us, remember? That's what he said. That's what he said. He's, got a, he's hung like a butterfly. But, hey, we'll check it out. So that's pretty much going to do it for us today. No more calls. We did a little experiment, boy, and sometimes, just like Dr. Jekyll said, you know, some experiments are okay, and some are not so great. 
Speaking of not so great, we don't have Joe Zagaki today. Huh? Oh! Good news, we got the high-rated Humper back today. <laughs> Thanks again to the Humper for bailing our ass out after a that grotesque funny. summer book. The Mad Dog is next from Shula Steak. Bye, bye, bye! The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Live and local, this is 560. The radio's all yours now.